My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 102 of Cinepunk. Cinepunk. <laughs> Today we have uh, our guest, Dustin. Hello. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Happy to have you on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm yeah. sure all of our listeners remember Dustin from our... 100th episode spectacular. I like to refer to episode 100 as a gala. As a gala? Yeah. Well, I was wearing a tuxedo, but, you I, did, were, but yeah. I did not have pants on. So well, it's thankfully, kind of I, I wore the tails. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dustin I, came I, with the white gloves. I thought that was a little much, but he looked, you looked very proper, sir. It was, it was very nice. Thank you. They were Dolce & Gabbana. <laughs> Dolce & Gabbana. <laughs> You're always classing things up, Dustin. Oh, man, so great. I don't know. <laughs> so yes episode 102 of cinepunks before we get started we uh of course would like to thank all of our sponsors and our patreon subscribers thank you so much to xlvacx.com chris reject and everybody else at that uh, operation you're the worst Okay. <laughs> I was talking to Chris Reject on that. Oh, one. oh, I thought you meant me, and I was about to be like, yeah, man, you know what? Leave you right. No, <laughs> no, not terrible. you. <laughs> not you. Uh, recently, um, uh, someone was listening to, I guess, the last episode? That yeah, and they, uh, that Atomic Elbow. Yeah, and apparently I, I was mean about Chris, and he loved it. Yeah. Do you remember what I said? And then he said that we should be embarrassed of ourselves for covering Pinky Violence. I believe that was a humorous remark. Well, maybe uh, it was humorous. I'm new to Twitter, Dustin. This is what you don't understand. I, Josh has trouble with sarcasm when you don't get and to see, talking when you and don't get to see his smiley face. So Josh's version of sarcasm is, I'm going to say something very dry and mean that could be taken <laughs> quite literally, but then I'm going to look like this. <laughs> uh, for, for the listener, for the listeners, Liam just made a cute and adorable face. It's basically a mix between an adorable child and the creepy Filipino uncle. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Meme. Cross those good together. Meme. That's what Josh does to let you know. He's Incidentally, that is the Filipino I slowly am turning into day by day. The creepy Filipino uncle. Yeah, creepy Filipino uncle. <laughs> hey, My mustache game is getting stronger by the hour. Hey man, that guy's a good writer, so I'm okay. I'm into it. I'm into it. Man. So. Uh, uh, LVAC is where you need to have your stuff printed, period. Period. Uh, who do they print for? They print for... Uh, Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik. Soul Glow just got a bunch of stuff. Oh, those there. look sick, too. Yeah. Um, the green and gold Jones. Mm-hmm. They look lovely. They print for a variety of wrestlers, including Billy Avery. In fact, right now... And Orange there's Cassidy. A, there's a fundraiser Billy Avery shirt for sale on the... I don't know if it's Square Bop or the merch... Go to the LVAC stuff. You'll see that there's this awesome Billy Avery long sleeve shirt. That's a fundraiser. Oh, shirt. a long sleeve, eh? Oh, yes. Oh, tis the season. It mm. is. Uh, Very nice. They print for my company, Rough Cut. They print for uh, Hearse and uh, uh, Gloss and all number of people and corporate. Or I shouldn't say corporations. Biz, small businesses. <laughs> I was like corporations. Wait, that, that sounds like wrong. That sounds yeah, wrong. But yeah. like a lot of small businesses in the Lehigh Valley area go to them. So, if you have something to be screen printed. Mm-hmm xlvacx.com. That's it. There you go. That's all and you need to know. Chris Reject is a scumbag or not is irrelevant. <laughs> it's irrelevant. You know it's not a scumbag? What? Their work. Yeah. <laughs> who's our who's our other you said sponsors? Oh yeah. The Finery at yeah. Third and Market Talk for all that. your tattoo removal needs in case you need to have some uh, bad tattoos removed like <laughs> some of us do. It's cool. No naming any names, but you know, myself included. I was going to say, it's you. I'm not only uh, a client, I'm also a client. I don't. I, I had nothing else to say there. <laughs> I fucked that right up. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, if people want... But the Finery.net, mm-hmm. fine removal for your tattoo needs, and if... Uh, 
you know, you go there and you mention that Cinepunks has sent you, they will take half off of your first treatment. Yeah. So enjoy that. Let's, A, go mention Cinepunks at the Finery. Yeah. But, you know, full transparency, you're getting a tattoo removed. Like, that is the... I am actually marked as a artist ambassador at the Finery. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because of uh, cro- cross keys and Cinepunks, so... But so there that, you go. That means you're getting the. Is there, is there like a hookup to that? Yeah, hookup there's, there's that? a yeah, thing. Dog. That's a thing. I'm yeah, saying, dog. man. What's up? Uh, if anyone would like me to uh, use Cinepunks as a platform to make them look good so I get free stuff, do it. I'm about it. Hit me All up. into it. Yes. Cinepunks at gmail.com. <laughs> I will take all manner of. of of swag, as yeah. they say, as the kids say. <laughs> as the as the, the kids don't even say that anymore, do they? That's yeah, like swag? A, Is I that a thing? That's Dustin, like you're a young person. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. Compared to us, you're slightly younger. I don't say swag, so <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what are the... Is drip? Well, oh, I think that's only jewelry. I have no idea what mm, you're even talking no, about. No, drip now. actually is like all clothing. Really? Like when you're, wear, when you're wearing like a really just out of this world nice suit or whatever. Yo, drip. He, here's, here's the deal. Um, Dustin. Here's the deal. I'm about You have to tell us these things, <laughs> sir. Here's Liam the, is in close contact with the high school population yes, of America. Yes. Or I at least knew the term. Yeah, I didn't even know I that didn't know what it meant. Thing. But I didn't know what it meant. Whoa. Here's the deal. The reason I don't think I know the term is not just that I'm old, though I am old. It's that I'm about 25 pounds past wearing anything I have that looks good. <laughs> so like I still have these things in my closet they're still there but I can no longer fit into them so mostly I just wear t-shirts and shirts that my mom has bought me at Costco nice which are not good shirts no are they not not nice no I have a I do have a the only thing I have that still kind of fits in a way where I can wear it to work is I have this Fred Perry I got and you remember how Fred Perry's suddenly became huge yeah well i was going to say how they never used to fit because they were european sizes well at some point they switched so the fred perry i ordered that was 2xl Uh when i was a large didn't fit because it was american sizes so it was was actually 2xl right only now that i've added some carriage (laughs) that 2xl is a perfect fit i wear it to work all the time it works out nicely for everybody oh good yeah thank you england (laughs) (laughs) luckily i had that i'm one of those people that had that like pile of shirts that are too big but they're too nice to throw away or give away good pile luckily i held on to this what's funny is i catch myself now saying things like man this fred perry's a little too big which is not ever a thing I ever dreamt that I would ever say. I also found out that I'm the same t-shirt size as Dave Hawes this weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh. You are a small man now. It's working in my it's working in my favor. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm working hard at it, Liam. You know what I mean? I know. I, I respect it. I, I I mean, okay. When we Okay, let's just keep moving. Let's keep moving. <laughs> you don't want to talk about your weight loss. Oh no, journey. we're going to get there. But I'd like to save it for my whacking on track portion. Oh, well, that's weird. I've never heard of that before. What are you referring to? I'm referring to a, uh, a segment. Ooh, a segment. A time-honored five-year segment Ooh, that's existed a on a certain show. Dare I say tradition, yes. Yes. Tradition works, where we talk about things that we've done that recently are that are whack or on track. And what's it referred to as again? I think we call it... Whacking on track. track. Yes, that is what we call it. You know, because you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, D- Dustin, your yes. choice. Would you like to go first, middle, or last in telling us what you've done recently that is whack and or on track? I'll go last. Okay, very good. I'm just glad you didn't say middle. <laughs> Why? 
I just what I, is your problem with the middle? I Liam? feel like the middle is not a choice. I feel like it should be first or last. Wow, look at that. All right, that seems a little. That seems a little. Yeah, I'm prejudiced against the middle. <laughs> okay, so you go first, Liam. I've elected you to go first. Oh man, I okay. love hearing the things that you do that are awesome. Oh, and not so awesome. there's so few of them though. That's why they're all like new gems now when I get them. Uh, well, y'all, I spent a little bit of time in Pittsburgh. That was pretty good. Did um, you have a Pramani Brothers sandwich? I did not actually. I not didn't a really fan get, or what? No, I just didn't get an opportunity. We were there for uh, this like class, and so we got to visit a few places. But I didn't have as much free time to just like hit up random spots. Yeah. I didn't get to go to. Oh, what's it called? There's like a famous diner in Pittsburgh that people always talk about. I think it's called Pamela's. Oh. It's like a breakfast. It's not just a diner. It's a breakfast spot specifically. And they do those hot cakes there. You know, they're like thinner pancakes where the ends are fried up a little bit. You know what I mean? They taste like you're eating pure butter, basically. That sounds amazing. Uh, and they're, they still have a little bit of fluffiness, but they're a little bit more... It's almost like um, a crepe that doesn't taste healthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like this this like buttery thin whatever thing. They're delicious, and they're apparently a Pittsburgh thing. Which yeah, I don't know much about Pittsburgh things, but that's what I'm told is that they're a Pittsburgh thing. Uh, so we went there. Do um, you say things like yins when you get out there? No, 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 no. And in fact, we don't interact with that many people. Like a lot of the people, and this kind of bums me out. I'd like to go. So, friend of the show, Greg Harrington, who's on the show uh, Neon Brainiacs. Mm-hmm. Every time I've been out there now, we've tried to hang out and it hasn't worked out. Oh, wow. But he's, he's I think, a true-ass Pittsburghian. Uh-huh. So, I'd love for him to, like, hang out and, like, fill me in. Because all the people I'm in Pittsburgh with usually are themselves transplants. We're still trying to get used to, like, you know, Pittsburgh is, in some ways, a lot nicer than, I think, when people interact with Philadelphia. Mm. But it ju- has just as much, like... Weird, weird like local strange. stuff that you don't yeah. know what it is or what's going on, you know? Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I had some good food there. I just really wanted to check out the movie theaters there. For those of you who don't know, yeah. Pittsburgh has, though, a small portion of the population of Philadelphia has a better theater scene than we do. They do. You know, I think there's only, like, 200,000 people in Pittsburgh, something like that. You know, know, a small portion of what we have at 1.5 million in Philly, but they have like at least five theaters I was able to find on the thing that are doing like independent sort of stuff. You know what I mean? So I was like, why does Pittsburgh have a cooler movie theater scene than we do? It's kind of bums me out. Cheaper rent. Yeah, I guess. I wanted to check it out, but I I didn't get a chance to. Did you ever go to Roboto out there? Oh, the the, uh, The Mr. Roboto project. Is it still in operation i thought it was i don't know though i haven't I been know. to pittsburgh since my belgas days but i will say that was one of the best shows i've ever played in my life i mean it, it was cool enough i mean i'd have to talk susan to it but it's been, it was cool enough that i would go just to hang out and not like because we were there for a thing so yeah if we were you gonna go a, somewhere it was just like a meal or whatever you know um how far is it from easton for you uh about four and a half hours yeah okay. so that's not too bad, you know what I mean? Mm. At least if I knew I was going to hang out with people and they're going to show me like the cool stuff. Yeah, you'd be all right with it. Yeah. There's a few record stores out there I'd want to check out. And I've been really curious about uh, that preserving hardcore uh, place. I mm. kind of want to see it just to see what it's like, you know? So. It's like flyers and stuff, isn't it? Like it's uh, like a museum, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also a record store. Oh, okay. And, cool. And a cool. lot of like rare records and stuff too. It's like, it's interesting. It seems interesting. Um, so as far as other on track stuff, like I said, well, in case we didn't talk about it, I did go to Camp Blood. Mm. We did talk about it because you talked about Frag is out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I love because he yeah. was at the Avail show here in Philly. Oh, was he at Avail? He was. Oh, that's fun. 
Yeah. Um, other than that, though, yeah, I haven't actually gotten to do a whole lot. You know, chilling with friends, but um, I haven't seen any new movies. Mm-hmm. I haven't even seen any interesting old movies. I guess I'm kind of lame. Wow. Yeah. Coxbar asked it first, but I'm asking it again. What's Tell it like you what's old? it like to be old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you so much. Um, okay, well, what I will lift up is Friends Podcast. I've been enjoying a lot of mm-hmm. Friends Podcasts lately. Uh, and I've also been working with a couple of folks to bring their podcast to Cineparks. So none of those are 100% yet, but mm-hmm. I, I do want people to be hyped and excited. We're going to have some new stuff. And I've been really busting ass trying to coordinate stuff for Cineween. So yeah, you have. Uh, we had some promo videos go up. We have some, some audio, promo audio stuff and a bunch of people signed on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hyped, so man. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. It's just, you know, I haven't been able to get out to as much music or, or movie stuff as I would like. And mm-hmm. that sucks, but that's life sometimes. So. It is what it. it is. I really thought I did go to the. You went to Mahoney for one more thing. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, Maybe it's like some slasher weekend something. I no, know. I did go to. Well, did I talk about remote control on here? No. Too? Oh, so I went. They had real weird weekend. That's what it and was. It was a double yeah. feature of remote control and video drum. Have either one of you seen either one of these? I've seen video, video drum multiple times. Have I've seen not seen drum? remote control. I don't think so. Let video drum's intense. It's it uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Um, the Trumper guy. Uh, James Woods. James Woods. His, his greatest <laughs> role because it is his slimiest, and that's he really is gross in this movie. And yeah. uh, and the girl from Blondie, Debbie Harry's in it. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Who's it turns out is not named Blondie, which I did yeah. not know until I was an adult. My really? entire childhood, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's Blondie and her Blondie. Bed. Blondie and her backup <laughs> band." Um, yeah, De- Deborah Harry's in it. She's really great. Um, uh, remote Control. You know, Lore hated it. Yeah. And I think his hate rubbed off on me a little bit. I will say, I think remote control has some charm. What is remote control? Yeah, so you know, um, oh, the name went out of my head. Did either one of you watch Entourage? No. I, I know of it. I know the people Yeah, do either it, of us look like but no. jock bros? Uh, I like the, <laughs> I like the first season. In it, in it, uh, in your it. Your typical first season entourage apologist, but go on. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, you smell it, like Axe body spray to me right the, now. Go one on. Of, one of the actors on it is Matt Dillon's brother. That's why I was asking. Oh. He's in this movie. This was like his big breakout. It's not just Matt. Who's the guy a, who was in The Blob? That Yeah, he was also in The Blob. Yeah. What is his first name? Do you remember? I just couldn't remember Dylan. Dylan. No, it's not. Stop. It's Dylan. Dylan. Anyways, this but was anyway, like one on. of his big sort of star breakout roles. And it's like there's an old movie that when you watch it, suddenly you're in the movie and then you go crazy and try to kill people. Oh. The movie's called Remote Control. Sort of nice. Like in, 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 whatever. And I like it better like when it was called Jumanji with The Rock, but go on. Except for this was way before <laughs> know, Jumanji. That's, you that's my joke. That's my joke. I made the face uh, listening. It's so. set in L.A. He works in a video store. It's very L.A. movie. Mm. And everything is kind of chill about it until they get to the factory where uh, these scary evil tapes are being made. Oh. And they're being made uh, under the control of aliens. But all the people making them are Asian people. And then they get to the part where they reveal the villain in the 50s movie. Big surprise there. Asian guy looks like uh, Ming exa- the Merciless action going on. Literally Ming the Merciless. So like, what is it? Max von Sydow in the no, in but it's, yellow but face. It's, no, in this movie, it's a guy looking like Ming the Merciless who's actually Asian. Uh, but the point being is that you can't have the factory where everyone's controlled by Asia, by everyone's controlled by aliens. They can't all be Asian, and then the villain in the movie be Asian and not have a 2019 audience go. 
is this film racist? Is this a racist? Are we watching a yeah? A, we a we can't be letting film. we can't be letting everybody know our secrets. <laughs> that, <laughs> Go on. That Filipinos are controlled by <laughs> alien forces. Are alien forces that control? I oh, believe wow. these gentlemen are supposed to be Japanese. I don't know if any of them actually were, but that's I believe that's the idea because you know yeah, no, no, in the eighties totally we were anxious that the Japanese were making all technology and we were going to become you know useless apes who didn't know how to do anything. And Which by the done way, and done. Yeah. You're welcome, America. Yeah, Japan You're welcome on that one. Um, no, but it, so so it's a little. I actually think it's a, the movie's mostly fun, uh, if stupid, until you get to that part, and then it's just so like uh, it's so obviously anxiety about Japanese folks making technology mm. that like it feels super racist, and I don't think that was obviously intentional, but lots of racism isn't intentional. Yeah, just yeah. white people Called working racism, out their yeah, anxieties yeah. and then realizing, <laughs> oh, our anxieties are not white people. Yeah, Oops. you're like, hold the phone. Wait a minute. There might be something else here. Yeah, you know. Play. Uh, and this character, he's scary. He's urban. He's got uh, slanty eyes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going for a different example. You know what uh, I mean? Like, <laughs> the idea is like that they're, you know, they're not intentionally going, let's make all the bad guys Asian so that people will know we hate Asians. <laughs> but they do go, I don't know, they're aliens and they're like foreign invaders. I don't know, like Japanese, you know? <laughs> so I, I'm, sure at the time, I'm sure at the time white people watching this movie had no idea. But watching it at the drive-in then, a number of people I were with were like, Whoa. This is kind of weirdly racist. This is racist. kind of racist. So, anyways, it's it was fine though, but it was not a good opener for Videodrome, which is like seriously heavy movie, yeah. One of the greatest movies ever made. It's in my really fucking awesome. And, and so, like, it's it's just it's just it just didn't work for me. So, whatever. That was my one movie thing I got to do though. I will cool, say I, did, I still I d- have to make it to the Mahoning. I've never have you been to the I've, Mahoning? Ne- I've never been. Dustin, you we should go and go. not bring Liam. We should just hang out. Just us bros and be like, Liam, never met him. Why is this about, Sounds like a plan. Why is this about hurting yes. my feelings? <laughs> you don't you have feelings. Your feelings go. don't count. You get to go all the time. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> What's not fair is that you don't know how to drive. Also if you true. Could, if you also could, true. If you could drive yourself to the hoding, then you could drive myself to yourself to my house and we could record at my house. This is true. You're not incorrect. <laughs> That's not my point, though. Well, you could literally have come to my house, recorded, and then we could have gone to the fucking Mahoney together. So I'll say to that. Wow, that's, uh, a mouthful. that's, a mouthful. that's about that's about it for me on the on the whack on track. I will say one whack, nothing whack, nothing whack. For well, you? I will say one whack thing. As as this is no surprise for any parents out there, the major source of whack media into my life is my daughter because she finds new shows and she gets into them. Mm. Uh, and for a while, she was on a My Little Pony kick. Were you into that or no? Uh, mur- please murder me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that the, bad, huh? I cannot. But you know what's even worse? Then she got on to Super Monsters. We're not feeling Super Monsters either. Yo, any show for kids, this happens a lot, where someone is about to do something and they play the same musical clip, video clip in the episode for that to happen. So, for example, PJ Masks is a show about kids who change into their PJs at night and become superheroes. Okay. PJ Masks. They play the same musical sequence to show them getting transformed every episode, three minutes. Are we talking about like the transformer sound when they transformed into? No, it's a longer. Think like a Sailor Moon transformation. Oh, like just these grand. But the Sailor Moon, am I wrong that that would be different? They would switch it up sometimes, or was it always the same thing? Every season, it would change like 
the transformation sequence, sure. but they're usually like it'll just repeat itself. Uh, let me just tell you wow. four four seasons into PJ Masks, it's the same clip every single episode, and it's a bummer, huh? I, I just the repetitiveness of it. So Super Monsters is the same thing where Super Monsters apparently all the children of monsters are humans until they go through puberty, but at night they turn into monsters. So they take them to daycare at night, and then they turn into monsters at daycare at night. There's no reason. There's no logic to any of this. This is just how it happens. So the beginning of every episode, they show you each character and they do a little flip and turn into their monster and say their name. So, Lobo. Do you watch the show too, Dustin? Or no? No. It's okay. awful. It's so painful. <laughs> but you know, she wants to watch it. I don't have the juice to convince her to watch something else. So we watch some Super Monsters and like, I want to jump out a window when it's on. So right now she's on a show called. Um, Truth in the Rainbow Kingdom. And it's a character named Truth, and she lives in the Rainbow Kingdom. Right. And this show is very fun. I actually like it a lot. And all the character designs were inspired by this like uh, artist group called Friends with You. Oh wow! And they do they normally do like big installations of like goofy things or whatever. They designed every character for the show, and it's like just the character design is fun. Now it has the same thing where there's a musical sequence that repeats itself. Uh-huh. But for the first few episodes, I didn't mind because it was very good. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Now it's starting to get on my nerves almost because it's too good. So it's like an earworm. <laughs> so I'll be walking through the day and I'll just be like, wishing tree, <laughs> tiny wishes, one, two, three. <laughs> like it's like in my head. All day. That's awesome. I like that. I think that's a good thing. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. You should be walking around saying Wishing that. tree, wishing tree. Please come share your wishes with me. You make me want to watch this show now. It's on Netflix, bro. All right, man. All right. If I, I was going to recommend a cartoon on Netflix, it would be She-Ra. Princess yeah, that's the one. You've been on that for a minute. It's right? very good. Yeah. Well, they just came out with new seasons. I did oh. the first season a while ago. Now we're up to season three. Nice. And seasons two and three were very fucking good. Awesome. Okay. okay. I'm not talking too much. <laughs> you go ahead. Okay. Uh, on track, I saw a veil three times last week. Um, very good. Oh my god! I saw a veil. You need transfer now. Do you, do you know a veil at all, Dustin? I've heard of a veil. They broke up in like '04. Prior to that, they were like the band that I'd seen the most, that I've loved the most ever since I got into like hardcore punk and like whatever. So they broke up, and then they were just like out of nowhere. Here are some shows. One of the cities is Philadelphia. It's like holy fuck. And then they're like, we're playing Riot Fest. And I was like, holy, holy fuck. And then they're like, we're playing an after party at Riot Fest. I'm like, holy, holy fuck. So I got tickets to everything. And in Philadelphia, it was literally like, I've never gone to a high school reunion. I imagine this is what my high school reunion would have been in my dreams. Because it was literally everybody from the 90s that I hadn't seen at a show since then. I was like, holy shit, you're still alive. I'm like, yeah. And it was like a bunch of hugging and just like so psyched. <laughs> and um, Avail played. Now, here's the thing. Since I've been on this journey of better health than what I was, I've lost 80 pounds. Congratulations. Everybody else has gained about 20 to 30 pounds in a beard. So during the mosh for a veil, I was doing the best that I could. <laughs> I was getting tossed around like a fucking sack of nothing. You don't like, know how to be a small dude, person. Dude, I yet. don't know how to be a small person in the mosh pit. Your, Ruben, mosh, your mosh style was very much, I weigh 300 pounds. Yeah. Here I come. And that's just your choice at that point, whatever happens. Because yeah. like, I just did what I did. Now, let me tell you something. David off grabbed me by the back of my neck and threw me. And I went flying, literally flying. And then mm. Ruben was like, you have to get closer to the ground. Lower center of gravity is going to be your friend in this one. I was like, fucking thanks, Ruben. And I tried in Chicago when I saw them at Riot Fest because I went to Riot Fest with Melani, also on track. And uh, 
It worked better. It worked better. Yeah, you got to get yeah. down. Also, Chicago, not as good mosh as Philadelphia. I'm going to just put that out there, too. And I mean, oh, I also went to Richmond, where they're from, to go see the first of the reunions. So I saw them in Richmond, Philadelphia, and then twice in Chicago. And now they're done, as far as I know. So I don't know if they're still touring, but oh, my God. Transformative. Just reminded me of what it was like to be 19 years old moshing to avail and how much I loved and how much I felt connected to a punk rock with soul. And that mm. is the thing, because I also saw Bad Religion last night. Let me tell you something. I'm going to put that in the whack pile. Mm. Whack as shit. Because, like, man, I'm just saying, they're just boring as fuck. And it's just, I don't know. There's, there's just something about watching a bunch of people jumping up and down, holding their cell phones up, filming a band while they're playing. It's just like, you're not going to listen to that. You're not going to watch it. So what the fuck are you going to obstruct everybody's view behind you just so you can get this footage that you're never going to watch or listen to? Frustrating to me. Mm. Frustrating. But, um, yeah, it was cool. Um, so that was on track. I saw Veil a bunch of times. Um, as far as movies go, I have uh, signed up to be a subscriber to the Rui Morg screening or streaming service. Oh, right. The Midnight Movie. The Midnight Movie yeah. Society. Uh, it is curated by Cinepunk contributor, editor, and all-around awesome person, Adriana Gober. Right. And um, co-host of the Flight Stuff podcast. Yep. And I love it. It's great. Is it good? Oh my god, I love it. I, I mean, I haven't gotten to check it out yet. That combined with Shutter are um, quintessential for this Halloween season that we're entering into, and yeah. it's awesome because it's like they don't. There's not much synergy. It feels like between the sure. two of them, where one has it's one. It's its own other. world. Yeah, yeah it yeah. really is, and it has like Zombie Three in there, Zombie Four. Sure, like, sure. It, it's got all the stuff that Shutter doesn't have that horror nerds like ourselves are really into. So I feel you. It's super fun. So I'm definitely putting that in on track. Okay. Um, makes me very happy. And um, have you, you haven't gone to see anything recently? I've been so busy, Liam. I understand. The new record's coming out. The video for our single. Oh Everything yeah, that's Breaks, on track. Your video now. came out. And it was very <laughs> fun and good. It's a good time. It's it's weird. At the show last night at the fa- at the uh, Fillmore, someone came up to me and was like, "Hey man, are you the guy from Cross Keys?" And I was like, "Never heard of." Them. Sounds like Stop. a handsome man. Stop. <laughs> she was awesome. Man. It's my favorite joke. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Because I was with Dave and Bo. We went right from practice to the show because our friend Dave Hawes was opening and we he got us all on the list. So we all got in for free and we got to watch Hawes play. And then, like, you know, it was just hanging out. But it was just, it was, I love playing little stupid jokes like that. It's fun to me. You know what I mean? So, um, how weird is it that, um, uh, Coxbar is much older than Bad Religion? But when you see them play, it doesn't feel like pretend. Yeah. No, Bad Religion is definitely punk rock cosplay. It is bourgeois punk rock, (laughs) which is, I mean, like, and here's the thing. Every argument I get into with somebody who loves Bad Religion has to defend them. It's like, well, you just don't listen to lyrics. It's like, no, I do listen to lyrics. But just because you got a whole vocabulary full of like 50 cent words doesn't mean that you're saying anything to me. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't know. It just bummed me out, man. But um, hey, you know, it was, it was, at least it was free, so that's cool. No, no <laughs> control is a good record. No control is good. They played all that stuff. They played generator. They played like all the old stuff, the eighty stuff, and it was fine. But I mean, I also saw Rancid this weekend, and that was way better, a lot more yeah. fun. Yeah. And um, I unfortunately in the whack pile, I saw Pennywise. I mm. would do anything never to see that fucking band ever again. If it at all possible, I would pay someone to be like, yo, if Pennywise is playing, I want you to punch me until I'm unconscious and can sleep through it. Just make sure it doesn't happen, even from nowhere near where they're playing. That would be great. Here's $20. <laughs> this, is why, this is why these these legacy shows, I, I just don't want to go. 
Yeah, because no, like, I get even, it, man. Like even Rancid, it's like, like I appreciate. No, but here's the thing: I Rancid were fucking awesome. I'm sure, but it, it's I'm not. They willing were to, amazing. I'm not willing to put up with the rest of that show so I can get to Rancid. I'm just unwilling. Yeah, if no, I, I worked at the venue or I had like such backstage juice, I could just show up and be on and stage. Just be for there. Rancid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. But the idea, like, I'm gonna go and stand through a bunch of embarrassing shit so I can get to Rancid, it's just like. Not for me. English Beat played. That was cool. Yeah, I like the English Beat. I saw the English Beat for free in front of the art museum before we screened Ferris Bueller. That's Thank awesome. you, Josh Goldblum. Yeah. I just feel Fest. like if, if I could, if Awesome Fest could wrangle the English Beat for free, then why <laughs> am I going to a dumb place? Yeah, why am I going to watch Suicidal Tendencies again? Why am yeah. I going to watch fucking... <laughs> Penny fucking wise, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean Pennywise yeah. is the real tragedy of that lineup. Suicidal's oh fine, but again, it's a lot of stress to watch Suicidal. I told who, like, I told me Lonnie when Pennywise is playing, I was like, "It's like a pair of DC sneakers from a Models sporting goods store suddenly became sentient and learned how to play a guitar, but only one riff." Yeah, I appreciate that. That's what it sounds like. Anything <laughs> so, else? Nope, that's it. That's all I got. Hey, Dustin. Hello. Do you have anything whacker on track? Oh, a few weeks ago, I went to Los Angeles. Whoa! Cool. Whoa! Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Dude, that's what awesome. What did you do in LA? Well, there was, this, the um, there was this convention called uh, Lightbox, and it was for uh, creatives in uh, film and television. Um, cool. So people work like on things of Disney and... DreamWorks and like, were you slinging your art? Is that what you I was doing? slinging my art. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> How'd that go? Was it that. awesome or what? It was awesome. It was, it it, it was the first convention I've been to in a while. Mm. So the whole thing uh, was a bit overwhelming the first day. Let's let's just for the listener's sake, tell tell us about your work, Dustin. Before we got into what is it? <laughs> so I do pretty much like cartoon illustrations and comic strips from time to time, and and. Now my goal is to work in television. Um, I went to this uh, residency earlier this year in Canada. Sure. And one of the artists that was there was like, he pretty much dissuaded me from ever getting into comics as like a lifestyle or a career. He was just like, you could do the same amount of work in film and television and actually be paid for it. And you're not going to be like, just drudging along for like 20, 40 years yeah. at conventions. I mean, I mean it takes, it, from what I've been told, comic books is like a good 15 years before anyone thinks that you you Are exist. worth it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You yeah. just eat shit for 15 years that people go, hey, I heard you've been your new guy the Overnight scene. sensation, yeah. Once yeah, yeah. It's like, what? No, what? No, fuck you. No, I mean, I've I've got friends from college who are finally getting published, you know, their their books are being published and it's been 10 years since we've been in college right wow yeah and they've done everything so the you know lightbox came up through the residency in canada and so i went and uh i just had a a good time once i got back into that mode because right. of you know, being creative being creative like, but also like putting yourself out there like yeah. right. person like in person and you know it being california my I don't know why I didn't realize that, you know, kids from like CalArts and everything were going to be there. Yeah. So you're, you're competing Against with these like, younger kids yeah. who've, you know, have access to all this like brand new technology and they're doing fantastic work and it's inspiring. And at the same time, it's scary because you're like, am I obsolete now? <laughs> like, am I like, am I worth, is it worth the time to put in to do this? 
Uh, and every day I went, went to that convention, it was like, yeah, because look at all the people around us. Like there was just such a hugely diverse group of people who work in film and television mm. and, and, you know, in the, from an art perspective. So you just get inspired and you talk to people and you, you network. And, you know, I found a nice group of people to hang out with the rest of the weekend. And then after that was over, a friend of mine who lives in Los Angeles, he took me around the city mm. and it was like his way of presenting the city as a, you know, you should come here. Yeah. <laughs> any, any good any, food? Did you do any good food spots that, that were memorable? Uh, I did the, I did hot pot in Koreatown. Ah, there you oh, go. Yeah. That was a good time. And that was, that was my first time doing hot pot and I fell in love with it. I, we were there for like two hours. <laughs> like the first. Thir- I feel like that's how long any hot pot excursion <laughs> takes, though. Like yeah. at least clear <laughs> two to three hours for that yeah, experience. I think that's true. Yeah, the first yeah. 45 minutes were both of us eating, and then that last hour and 15 was just me. <laughs> it was just like, just nah, nah, bring, this, bring, <laughs> bring awesome. all these four meats. I will eat every single. <laughs> they were like, well, you, you, you know, we hope that you eat everything that you order. I was like, this is not going to be a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> I like that they gave so you this good. war. <laughs> we need you to make sure that you actually eat all this. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I got you. Fine. <laughs> like, I can read. I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Leave me to it. Um, so, yeah, it was that was that was great. And then. um and yeah, I came back and did you do any touristy things? Did you do like Hollywood sign and like Disney or I did the Hollywood sign. I did the uh the Griffith Observatory. That's awesome. That, which was uh, that was beautiful to me. Like yeah. the view was beautiful. Um I also just like the people. Like I've been seeing people on Twitter talk about like Los Angeles people and I I got to say for the 3 days I was there, I had no issue with anybody okay as opposed to like like two years ago i went to paris and the thing that bothered me the most was like people walking up and bumping into you on purpose in paris Jesus christ and i had to actually look it up because i was like is this a thing and it was like yeah it's a thing and what do you do like you start bumping people back and <laughs> so i remember this lady like that's a thing yeah people this, just walk this, into you in you're paris. walking down the street and if you're not walking fast enough they bump into you to kind of give you like the signal like hey you need to speed up. So this lady like did a shoulder bump to me and she was like four feet tall, but she did it. And then I was like, Oh, I got to get her back. So I like sped up and like (laughs) hit her. And then we were both at the stoplight and I just kind of looked at her and it was just like, okay, yeah, I'm part of the culture now. Like I feel good. We're going to just, just bump (laughs) Parisians. (laughs) Okay. What's so funny about that is on one hand, it's so kind of aggressive. On the other hand, it's so past. Could you imagine just being most places in philly and just being like you know this guy's not walking fast enough i'll just shoulder check him okay well what are you oh, gonna do when that person no. punches you in yeah the jaw? what are you gonna do when you're on the floor <laughs> dude but on the other hand there are places where if you did that they'd be like oh my god what are you doing exactly it's I mean, like it doesn't everybody thing. smoke in paris anyway so it's like you're gonna burn somebody if you <laughs> i'm just saying you either get burned or you get a piece of bread Burn or piece get of bread. <laughs> you really yeah. don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, they Brutal. Might be eating, they might be <laughs> drinking an espresso right now. Jesus Christ, Parisians! That's uh, awesome though. Yeah. L.A. rules, man. Yeah. I was there this summer. I was there for um, the Star Wars thing at uh, Disney. Oh, that's so awesome. we got to go for like the first day or whatever. The second day it was pretty, and we spent all this time in L.A. We did uh, Donut Friend. We did a bunch of food. I don't know. Yeah. It's fun. Cool. I don't do fun things. <laughs> 
tell me what's it like to be old. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, in this particular case, I think you could replace old with poor, and that would be a little bit better. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Anything else whacking on track? Anything, anything you've whack? Seen or heard that, that anything you that you've or enjoyed hated? or hated? <laughs> Nothing I've hated recently. Um, I haven't really been watching much of anything. Mm. Oh, I uh, movie-wise, I saw, I think I said in the email, I saw Ed Astra, which I, I did like. What did you think? Yeah. I, I enjoyed was, it. I've heard mixed things. Like yeah. Some people really liked it, and some people were kind of like, eh. Um, I think the big takeaway for a lot of people was that it's a, a daddy-son story. Like okay, it's a, it's I've, a, see, I've seen Dad yeah. Astra. Or Dan s- Scully, or Dad or, Astra. Or Sad Dad was one. That's sort of which, you know, true. But also what I liked was it's kind of blase attitude towards space travel which oh, was wow. like which is kind of like hey there's an applebee's on the moon <laughs> like we've we've colonized the moon and we put all the we put a dhl and an applebee's on the moon like sure. what okay fine <laughs> and then right after that they go oh yeah we've got to get you to this rocket ship uh but we have to be careful because there are space pirates <laughs> and they only last like that's a five minute sequence you're like Wait, go back to the space pirates thing. How do we get to space pirates? Man, I, I do kind of like space pirates. What was that movie with Robert Urich where it's called Space oh. Pirates or Ice Pirates or something like that? It was Pirates in Space. It's great. But anyway. Okay. I appreciate Sorry. that. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I, I want to see it, but I'm a little like less excited. But you're now you're making me a little more excited. So. I mean, how is Brad Pitt? He's amazing in it. Yeah, I kind of love Brad Pitt. I do. I know. I agree. And Tommy Lee Jones. But I don't is in love it everything. Too? Yeah, he's in uh, it. It's 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 really Brad Pitt is it's he's the only one really in it. It's a Brad Pitt, but vehicle. it's like it's a Brad Pitt vehicle, like without question. And okay. he, I mean, he has like really good long like four or five minute scenes where he's just emoting <laughs> and Damn. it's. And you just like you feel it, um, and I think, and I actually do think that the last, the the last part of the film was my favorite because it let it left me with like, with a feeling of like, oh, that felt good. That felt good to see that. That's oh, awesome. Man. Okay, Dude, I yeah, love yeah, that I kind of movie watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm into that. All That's right. good. Oh, one more on track thing I did. Of course, Josh always has like one. Extra I know. Thing I just forgot. <laughs> oh, I yeah, forgot. There's, there's one more awesome thing about me, everyone. Here we go. I met Billy Bragg. Oh, that was actually really important. I'm glad you... It was so awesome. So Billy Bragg is a British folk singer who I've modeled my entire solo musician career after. He is my hero. Like, he's socialist, like, total, like, working class, like, folk singer guy. You know what I mean? And he did a book about... um, It's... uh, A book about freedom. I think it's called, like, Three Fundamentals of Freedom. It's right over there. And um, he did a speaking tour about it. So he's free speaking at the philadelphia public library and then he sang two songs on the stage he just busted out his acoustic guitar he's like guess what we're doing next and he just pulled it out and just sang two songs it's like amazing yeah. and then he signed all these books for everybody that was there and i wore a t-shirt that says morrissey is a racist because i've made t-shirts that say morrissey is a racist and available um, at what website at boringcrash.bigcartel.com okay and um Billy Bragg famously was Morrissey's friend. And then as Morrissey has been like vocally subscribing to these weird racist tropes, Billy Bragg has come out publicly and been like, he's fucking up, you know? And uh, so I wore the shirt to it and Yoni Kroll was there and he was like, oh, let me take a picture of you and Billy Bragg with you wearing this shirt. So I walked up to Billy Bragg and he sees the shirt 
And he was just like, oh, man, that's a great shirt. I was like, <laughs> Why, thank you, Mr. Billy. And then we talked a little bit. He signed my book, and he asked me. He was like, you know, I've got a friend who has a huge Morrissey tattoo, and she has to get And I was like, funny you should mention Billy Bragg. I have Morrissey's face tattooed on my arm because that's how much he meant to me. And then we had this whole conversation about how I feel betrayed, and he feels the same way because he was a huge fan also, as well as his friend. And he looked at me. He was like, what are we going to do, mate? And I was like, I don't know, Billy. I think we should keep on singing. And then like, I told him about Krosky's song called True to You, which yeah. is about my my uh, disappointment in Morrissey and how Morrissey has like truly betrayed the outsider that he used to champion. And Billy Bragg asked to hear it. He was like, I really want to hear your record. And I was like, cool, no problem. Then I forgot to get his email, so I have no way to send it to him. But I will be seeing him in New York City on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this weekend because he's doing a residency at the Bowery. And I'm excited to maybe talk to him. He also asked for a shirt. So I'm going to bring him one of those, too. That's good. But yeah, it was awesome. He uh, stood up and shook my hand. He called me a, a colleague. He was like, you know, I'm really impressed that you had the bravery to sing a song about this, given how much it hurts you. And he just had this whole conversation, held up the line and everything. Aww. And the funniest thing is, Melani was in line after me. So he apologized to her. He's like, I'm sorry. I had talked to that guy. And she was like, oh, that's my husband. It's okay. I'm always waiting for him anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> my wife should. is As the greatest should. and smartest and funniest woman of all time. But yeah. anyway, not important. But yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely a, a weird thing that I will probably remember for the rest of my life. So that's great. There you go. Thanks, Billy. That's a, good, so, that's a good thing to add on. <laughs> that's what I got. Okay. So after the break, Dustin, you chose two movies for us to watch. Well, you chose one and you then chose we just one chose and we the just other added one the other by one. the same guy. Yeah, yeah. we just buffaloed you. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we are talking about the movies of Mr. Ari Oster. Specifically, we are talking about Hereditary, Hereditary and uh, Midsummer. Okay. Do either one of you feel inclined to mispronounce Midsummer? And Midsummer. Say, Midsummer. I, I hear know. people do it all the time, and every time I'm like, "That's probably not right. <laughs> that's probably just probably just Midsummer." <laughs> I, I say Midsummer because that's what he said. Is that right? Yeah, he, he said that in the, the movie. I didn't he even said pick that up on it. They did like an interview with him, and he was like, "In the movie Midsummer," and I was like, "Oh, okay. Oh, well, okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm gonna get down with is. the get down. Yeah, Midsummer. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish I had seen. Every time we talk about this. Uh, my other co-host Justin Lore brings up his short film, which is supposedly on YouTube or something. The trouble with the Johnsons. Yeah, yeah. did, did you, you see that? It? Yes, I have. Okay, after the break, well, Dustin gonna is going to gonna us break us it. in. All right, let us know. We'll be right back after the break. I never reply when you hear me. I'm off the grid. You can't get me. Secure the bag like Gucci. You see me racked up, can't miss me. I never go down with my hands up. Fuck the rounds, you pour another cup. I kiss the wall down one knee. You see me racked up, can't miss me. Jet black. Back, 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 back it up, jet black. Stack, 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 stack it up, jet black. Back, 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 back it up, jet black. Stack, 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 stack it up. Fall back, nigga, you ain't got no cash. No cash. Your bitch gone, yeah, I took it and I smash. No shame, girl, if you're feeling yourself. If you wanna get up, I might give a little help. Jet 
can't take no more that nasty stuff. Can't keep me up, can't keep me up. Hey, girl, you can't keep me up. Can't take no more that nasty stuff. And we are back. So we're here with Dustin. We're going to talk about two movies by Ari Aster, specifically Hereditary and Midsommar. Let's start, though, with his short film. Yeah, what is the short Which I haven't about? gotten to see. So, um, I had well, you haven't seen it. How do you feel about spoilers? Because I already had it spoiled for me. So I don't I give don't a care. shit. Yeah, let's just go for it. I don't care. Tell us a little bit about this short film. Spoil the fuck out of it, I Dustin. know a little bit about it. Ooh, boy. <laughs> that good. But I think, it's, I think it sets the conversation for what I think Ari Aster is about in the world. Yeah. So I believe the, the title's called The Trouble with the Johnsons. That's the right. Name of the short That's film. right. Uh, it opens in a bedroom of like a, maybe like a 12 or 13 year old. And he's, I don't like, he's, he's. He's masturbating to a okay. picture and his father opens the door and he kind of like, it's kind of like this weird, like comedic, like, oh my God, I, I like, what are you doing? He closes the door. He comes back in. Mm-hmm. Dad talks to the son about what he's doing and how it's natural and, you know, don't feel bad about it. I should have knocked, blah, 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 blah. Well, when the dad leaves the bedroom, uh, the kid looks back at the picture and the picture is of his dad. And wow! <laughs> so the rest of the the short film takes place uh, during the wedding of the son when he's much older, and you f- pretty much find out that the son has been over the course of these years continuously molesting his dad. Wow! It's to get to understand the way it was described to me is that it's the classic story that you've seen in other things of. Not just the grossness of the thing, but the emotional and relationship abuse of an abusive relationship only going the other direction. Yeah. It's all of the tropes that you would expect in this sort of narrative. Only again, about a son towards his dad. And, you know, know, the dad eventually kills himself and it's like a whole thing. Yeah. Like the, like when they take the, um, the wedding photos of the family, he's standing next to the dad and the dad is just like petrified. The mom is just like, oh, I'm so happy my son's getting married, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point during the reception, the son takes the dad like behind like a fence or something and the, the mother sees it and she's aware, but she doesn't know what to say. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot to unpack there. So what did you think? So Justin described this as a brilliant thing that he never wanted to see again, but he can't stop describing it to people so they know about it. What was funny was that the way I saw it was through Twitter. And the only thing that was on Twitter was the beginning of the movie. Mm. And everybody kind of just was like, like, who would make something like this? And this has been for years. Right. Um, and then I, and then I believe it was around the time that Hereditary was coming out and someone in an article mentioned the short film and I was like, wait, this is this thing that I've been seeing all the time. Blah, sure. Blah, blah. Sure. Finally watched it and it was just kind of, it just was 
a lot to to take in. It was overwhelming, is what it was. Yeah, I would I would say it would have to be. <laughs> yeah, I would be worried if it wasn't. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then and then on top of that, for him to have made it uh, a black family that this happens to, mm-hmm. which is not something that you would normally see. It was just kind of like whoa, it, it stunned you. And I think for a big section of Twitter, aka Black Twitter, that was like a huge like. Who would make this filth? Why would you do this? What? What? Who? Whose mind would this come from? They're going to hell. Blah blah blah. Wow. Like that was the reaction. That was kind of like the the first reaction of it. Um, and then I think what happened was I saw Hereditary, and then I went back and I watched the whole short, and I sat there and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. This this comes from the same mind. Like something's going on with our man. Yeah. Ari <laughs> exactly. So and then I was deeply <laughs> rooted in some type of suffering. <laughs> and then I had like this terrifying thought, like, what if this is like his like third film? Like, what if he decides to just expand on this? This would be terrifying. Whoa. Yeah. Well, and and he has talked about wanting to do more drama and less horror in the future. But this also feels horrifying, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what kind of drama he could come up with, given that that's where he started. (laughs) (laughs) That is intense. Fuck, I never want to watch that movie. I'll probably watch it. I'll probably watch it. Yeah, yeah, I won't enjoy it. Remember, uh, remember, what was it? Didn't you watch something I told you not to watch because it was so? We are the flesh. Yeah, yeah. I was like, never like whatever you do, don't watch this. And I'm like, well, I'm watching it as soon as I possibly can. (laughs) And I was like, Liam, why'd you make me watch that horrible movie? (laughs) I mean, it was like. I told you expressly not to watch it. I'm like, yes, but Liam, you know who I am. (laughs) Why am I this way? Well, you should definitely watch the strange thing about the Johnsons. I already forgot what the title is. I'm okay with not. Hey, well then, let's talk about then his first full length film, Hereditary. Hereditary. Uh, We'll start with you, Dustin. (laughs) What did you think about Hereditary? (laughs) Uh, Again, I I kind of sat there. I know by the time it finished, I went to see it with a friend and we sat there for five minutes in silence. Right. Because yeah. we were just like, what just happened? Like it was a, a lot of, a lot of roller coaster of emotions. Uh, and it was the first, just to go back a bit uh, for me personally, I was hospitalized early the, the year that hereditary came out the beginning of the year I was, I was hospitalized and a big chunk of that was, uh just like various like emotions and mental things and it was bad so hereditary was the first movie i remember going to the theater to see <laughs> oh no wow and it was it it gave me these feelings that i hadn't felt for a while like just like just fear and just terror and also like there were parts of it that were funny and like it just kind of kind of like jump started like my emotions again yeah which is kind of like strange because i'm sitting there and i'm just like grabbing my seat and then my friend is grabbing my forearm and but i loved it when i first saw it Mm. um and it is one of those movies that i loved it but i have no intention of like watching it for another like five years (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but it, it just had an impact on me Mm. that's what i remember it was like the first film after going through everything that i was like oh wow like i i really enjoy this shit yeah let's say and i probably should start with this that if for some reason you haven't seen hereditary (laughs) and you don't or midsummer and you don't want to spoil it for you 
this episode is probably not for you. Yeah. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. Because I want to discuss the endings of these things. Uh, and then that being said, if for some reason you do want it spoiled for you, but you haven't seen it, um, Hereditary is a story of a, a family dealing with loss. Yes. We open up with uh, a family who's lost their matriarch, the grandmother. Mm-hmm. It opens with her funeral. With her funeral. And well, this is actually, I think, the most interesting thing. It opens with a shot of her picture over the casket. No, it opens with a shot of the treehouse. Oh, oh, then it turns from the treehouse to the models that Tony Clark's character makes. Then it zooms in on a model, and suddenly the model is what's happening in real life, which for me sets the stage for the whole movie Mm. because it's almost like that aspect felt theatrical. We are zooming in almost on a stage, but it sort of shows the it, it, it makes me think a that the permutation between her art and her life, which clearly is something that is. Strength. I mean, even before she starts to come apart later in the film, mm. her art is already showing you things that feel maybe inappropriate, you know? Yeah, so yeah. the fact, you know, that, that, that there's already that place and maybe she's working out some of her trauma there. It also makes me think that, um, that it's putting us within a framework of almost like unreality, like, like, we're going into this space and then that's the real is this sort of mm-hmm. model thing, um, which I think is important because uh, side note with both of these movies, there's so much effort to like decode them and like, yeah. what do they really what mean? What is the subtext? And I'm always kind of like, and at first I was kind of stoked on that for both of these movies, but yeah. now over time I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely correlations I'm sure between real life and what's happening. But I think when you're trying to like, use a decoder ring to get to the secret secret yeah. you're just missing the film and what the film is doing to you a little bit i find that to be very irritating actually i i was trying i was trying to do that for both of these films and i think my inclination to do it is probably related to other people's which is that when something's happening and you're having trouble understanding why something's happening you look for some weird you're looking for some cutaneous yeah and i think both movies have hidden things and we'll get to that but I don't think there's like a secret key or something, mm. but I do think the framework of like zooming in on her art sort of sets the stage for that and sort of on Tony Collette's the focus. So uh, immediately we realized Tony Collette had a troubled relationship with her mom mm-hmm. and that her fa- her own family life is uh, not exactly smooth. Best, yeah. Yeah. She's got an interesting relationship with her children. And then as the film goes on, uh, uh, those relationships are, tense uh her daughter is having experiences that i would describe as supernatural in nature or at mm-hmm. least haunting yeah and then uh in a horrible accident her the daughter dies decapitated yeah. Uh, yeah and then the the film sort of unwinds from there of, yeah uh a tony Clett's relationships are all falling apart at the same time a woman inserts herself into her life and introduces a certain amount of mysticism there mm-hmm. as the mysticism is introduced things become more and more it becomes more and more difficult to realize what's to f- discern what's happening and what might be her going crazy. Then there's a big turn in the movie where everything becomes insane and dangerous and definitely uh, supernatural stuff is real. She's not just losing it. Yeah, All this shit no, is actually shit's happening. happening to her. Yeah. And then it turns in the last 10 minutes of the movie are the, some of the most insane shit I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Uh, things, and yeah. it all culminates in... Uh, Possibly the end of the world. Yeah, in that um, Paymon, uh, yeah. Paymon is uh, made real, and her her grandmother wins. Uh, all of Tony Collette's efforts, which it feels like her whole life, has been to frustrate the evil machinations or 
good. Who knows yeah, what who the knows? movie's actual morality knows, whatever. is. Whatever. Yeah. The machinations of her mother, and it didn't work. The film keeps talking about fate. Every effort by Tony or anyone else in the movie to control anything fails. Mm. And ultimately, whatever her mom has been planning for decades on end is what's going to happen. What happens and, and there's nothing yeah. she can do about it. Uh, and the film unsubtly every time uh, the son is in a classroom someone's talking about fate and the fate you can't escape it's just this constant parade thing yeah uh in the meantime Tony Tony Clett slows her own head off with a piano wire oh my god uh, and does before that does a lot of floating around and stuff and, and then and, uh, floats headless into a treehouse it's real upsetting it's so good though uh, oh so Josh yeah. what did you think night one seeing this movie what was your what did you think about it well, I saw it on a press screener with sure. Dan Scully sure. and uh, Garrett and a bunch of other area podcasters and movie critics. And um, so have you been to these press screeners before? Have you not? Doesn't I have. Yeah. So, you know, they typically have just like critic people and then like other people that are in the lobby or whatever, whatever empty seats get filled. So typically with these like close knit society of critics, everybody is like if you talk or if your phone goes off, like it's like what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, everyone gets upset, right? And when the third act of this movie hits, there was this one young gentleman who couldn't have been older than like 20, sitting in the middle of all the critics. And the third act hits, and my man starts screaming like his soul is leaving his body. He was like, like screaming, like straight up blood-curdling terror scream when she's floating there and chopping her neck off and all that stuff. And all the critics in the circle were just like, yeah. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish I could be doing that too. Yeah, and we were that's, all that's nobody, a fair response. <laughs> nobody silenced our man. He just kept on screaming and like howling. And all of us were just like, if I were free and free of judgment right now, I would totally be screaming too because this is fucking. Because I saw it without knowing what it was about at all. I just knew A24 put it out. We were on the list. I was like, oh yeah, well, okay, let's see it. And it scared the bejesus out of me. I had no idea what I was in for. And by the time you get to that third act, you're like, oh. A family drama. I get it. It's a thing. It's horrible. Mm, okay. But then... There's, there's strong emotions. Yeah. But there's creepy stuff happening. from the beginning. There's creepy stuff happening, but like the dinner scene with the son. That scene when Tony Collette loses it on, the, on that poor kid, it blew my mind. I was like, this is the most horrific carnage I've ever seen in a movie. And then it one-ups that scene <laughs> and you're like, holy mother of fuck, what the hell, Gabriel burns on fire. It was just, it was, dude. And and every consequent viewing of it that I've had since that night, I still can't shake the feeling of absolute terror of that third act. It still hits me mm. on such a visceral level. I love it so much. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm. Yeah, no, I love it. I mm. think Tony Collette's amazing in it. I think she is so pal like she's so palpably distraught in this movie. Mm. And I think the performance is so good that even though Gabriel Burns kind of like a set dressing, even though like, you know, all the things are just kind of spinning as she's in the middle of it all, I think she's so good as an anchor to this movie. I think that her mm. performance is like career defining. That was what I thought. What do you think about the thing going across the internet? A few people have been saying it. They feel like the film is more of a comedy than a horror film. I get it. I just feel like that's like the uh, this is my hill and I'm going to die on it isms mm. of people that just have to say something like, you know, Die Hard's my favorite Christmas movie. It's like, cool. 
go fuck yourself. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. Okay, sure. You 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 got it, but also for me this movie is I think this movie is really wonderful. I think it's really really good. I mean, I I am unsure if I think it's wonderful. On this my so the first time I saw it, I saw it with a friend of the, friend of the show co-host Justin Lohr. Mm. And we were both fucked up. They fucked us up. Yeah. Um and I remember as the movie ended, this kids behind us were like Oh man, there wasn't even any brutal kills in the movie, and I just wanted to be like, the entire film was brutal. <laughs> the there was no non-brutal moment <laughs> yeah. in this film. Um, but on this my third viewing, I think I don't want to see the movie anymore. I think I'm done seeing the movie. Cool. I think I. Uh, I mean, but to be fair, how many movies reach that often rewatched like level for you? For me, it's not very many, but it's like. The ones I've seen over and over again, I just love, 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 love. Like Aliens, like The Thing. There's, like these these I, kinds of movies I'll watch over and over again. Even though I loved Hereditary, I don't know if it's one of those movies that I will watch over and over again. I until. don't... I, I, I just think... Okay, so for... Again, in case anyone hasn't seen it, um, I think you're, the description that people give of this like family drama that kind of ramps up into a, a supernatural film. horror. Yeah. 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 Uh, it underplays the true pain and suffering that is the entire movie. <laughs> and I'm just at the point where some of the more brutal moments of the film emotionally, mm. it's just too much for me now. It's just <laughs> become too much. Yeah. And in fact, what's funny is one of the sort of things that people say about the film, especially when it came out, people were saying, is that they thought the ending ruined it. That they thought... The movie was so great, and then the ending. And I don't think they mean, I, I hope they don't mean, just the ramping up with Tony Collette's character. But they mean the final stinger of the reveal mm. that uh, Charlie, so for those of you, again, whatever, the, this culmination, we said we're going to think of it, just to remind people in case they forgot, that, uh, you know, Charlie is possessed by the spirit of payment. She is payment mm -hmm. reborn. Yeah. But payment can't be fully realized in a female body according to the spells. It needs a male. And part of the distance between Tony Collette and her mother is that her mother wanted to son, yeah. wanted her son to be payment. And so, you know, all this it, A, it puts it does put almost a humorous thing on Tony Collette's pain. She's always felt this separation from her mom, having no idea that her mom has all this resentment towards her because she intended for her son to be the embodiment of a demon <laughs> god. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of... Hilarious. Sort of... I mean, <laughs> it is kind of funny because she's like, so, like, wring your hands, like, oh, complicated relationship. Your mom just saw you as a cow to give birth to the end of the world. And so the fact that now you are, like, kind of wringing your hands about because you didn't know that's what your relationship actually was is kind of funny actually so i get that aspect of it but it's also emotionally crushing yeah but for some people that reveal of like now uh the son is possessed by charlie and mm -hmm. you know his payment is here and whatever and all the old people in the treehouse worshiping him that for them that was just a step too far <laughs> it was just oh, we've, we've yeah. gone oh off that's the, the line we've huh? gone off i mean bro you're making jerks right now because you don't live on the internet if you did or listen to any podcast, you know that what I'm describing to you is the majoritarian opinion of hereditary. Uh. I'm not describing outside weirdos. I'm describing what most professional film critics whose people actually read their reviews were saying. It's an amazing movie that misses the landing on the ending. That's the general consensus. 
And for me now on my third watch, without that ending, I think I'm done with the movie. I think the ending makes the rest of the film, which is very good. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's so cruel and brutal and unrelenting that like this time watching it, I was thinking, God, fuck you, Ari Aster. Like, I'm just done. Like, just (laughs) stop beating me up in this movie. I'm so fucking beat up. But again, I return to the thesis that I first said on here that I continued on Horror Business, which is that the end of Hereditary is a happy ending. Wow. If the world is truly as bad as we're seeing here, because this is a movie in which you have no ability to affect your fate, uh-huh. that all re- love relationships are, are tenuous and unable to deal with the reality of grief, uh-huh. and that at any moment your world could be destroyed and that everyone is out to get you. Why not bring payment into the world? At yeah, least someone got what they wanted. Yeah, at least Like some. a whole community got what they've been <laughs> hey, wishing you're for. you're the ruling fam <laughs> at that point because uh, that's your son. So, okay. And like yeah. just with like showing this, you know, payment is here and it's payment, it's okay. These were all necessary sacrifices. This is what had to happen for this good thing to come into the world. And now you're here, you know, and, you know. Let's you know, start with the enslaving. Yeah, yeah hail payment, you know, like whatever. <laughs> and like even the musical cue at the end like uh-huh. yes it's ironic i don't think it's good in a real way but it's a it's a happy ending that's like a winky happy ending like to the end of this carnage yeah like movie. look yeah. at least somebody something turned out right here yeah good job grandma yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i don't know dustin what do you what do you think what do you think not just of the film itself but of like people's reception to it which tends to be either like uh the ending sucks or this is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my entire life or that was terrible and I hate you all for liking it which I've also seen to be very bad right no the ending I think was the part of it that kind of like solidified it for me right yeah yes yeah 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 because I mean I'm thinking of like where did you if if they would have ended it say when the sun like jumps out the window and you hear Tony Collette like sawing her head off yeah and yes. if if the last thing would have been like you hearing her head hit the floor and then it just goes to black, that, I would everybody would have started laughing. Okay. And I don't think like yeah. the feeling that you want from the ending of that movie is like, is like oh wow they they're, they're all dead. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> hilarious. Um, it takes the macabre that would take it to such a level that it would have to be funny. Yeah, You'd have yeah. to be like. All right, well, fuck. I guess that's it. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we watch Police Academy all time. But but <laughs> then like. But that last like ten minutes or so in the tr- yeah, in going the into house. the treehouse and yeah. everything, there was there was a sense of of dread about it, but there was also that same feeling of like like okay, like you beat me into the ground with this, yeah. like I can't, we can't escape it. Um, uh-huh. The first the first time that we're in the the high school classroom with the yeah. older brother, yeah. and you hear the teacher talking about like fate. fate and all that, and then it becomes clear like oh. For me, at least, it was like this isn't this isn't going to end well. Nobody's going to escape this, and it's weird because as I watched it that first time, I don't think there was ever a point where I thought they're they're going to make it. It was always like right. you're just watching all the pieces fall for this to happen, and then I just and then immediate and then after that, I think I was just I started thinking about you know people in their relationships with their families, where <laughs> you know like you have parents who are like you're going to do this, and. And whatever point in your life, you're like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Like, I, I, I got this. I think I know what I want. And then, you know, you realize life doesn't go that way. Right. And you kind of, like, give in to this, like, inevitability. 
Um, but the, we, the brutality of it. Yeah. The film that reminds me of that feeling of like, that was like too much. I can't, I cannot watch this again. Was like old boy. Uh, oh, yes. I hear you. I've watched old boy a couple it times. Gives but me, it, it, it gives me the same feeling. I saw old boy when it came out. Right. Yeah. And I remember going, like seeing the whole thing and being like, Oh, I can't do this again. <laughs> that, that that's actually that's how it. I felt about his movie before that, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Uh-huh. Old boy, it was a little bit glossier for me, even though the ending is like utterly devastating. Yeah. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, after the first time I watched it, which I watched after seeing Old Boy, I thought, you know, I'm fucking done with that. Like that's that's great. I appreciate him and I respect what he did. But that for me, never again. I'm done. Uh. And it was only years and years and years later after the box set of all three films came out, that I was like, I guess I'm going to rewatch Sympathy with Mr. Vengeance. And then, like I said, it was a good eight years. I was like, oh, okay. I appreciate this. Like, it it rang for me in a different way. But after mm. I watched it the first time, I was almost mad. Like, and not in a way, again, it's an not upsetting the, movie. It would be weird the, if you weren't. But not the mad that's like, I'm so mad I watched it because it sucked. It was like, Fuck! Oh God! Like just how it made you feel. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Such a good movie. Yeah, and I remember, and I saw that in my like teens, and seeing sure. seeing Hereditary in my thirties. And the one thing I kept thinking, like, what if I saw this like if I was ten years younger? Oh, what would my reaction? Holy shit! Be? You'd be that one guy screaming in the theater. Yeah, because and I'm like, like uh-huh. sitting there, and I'm because I remember the 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 son how he held his own against Tony Collette. Like, yeah. even though she, she like laid into him in that dinner yeah, scene, dude. but just, but just from like a standpoint of just the acting that that young man was like outstanding. And it was just like, yeah. wow, they are putting him through the ringer. Yeah. And there's, and there's usually a moment where I'm like, well, certainly they're going to like give him some relief. Yeah, and that was like, room. yeah. And they let him jump out a window and die. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do here. I mean, <laughs> It is a movie that I think fills me with all manner also of conflicting emotions. Like I said, that ending is so dark and so upsetting, but it's also like this, it's the one moment of like transcendent wonder. Like the world is so cruel and then something magical, also evil, comes into the world. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's like, so it's like this weird thing, but also... um, one of the moments, so I've talked. I've talked a couple times. Again, I've only seen it three times, but uh, every time I watch it, I talk about the you know the scene where Charlie dies as being just emotionally crushing. It's yeah. Like when I saw it in the theater, I just burst into tears. In fact, I think this time was the only time. The first two times I saw the movie, that scene, I can't help myself. I just get yeah. Right. But this time, it was the party. Oh. Uh. The way the party builds tension, mm-hmm. the the shot of him telling her to eat the cake, yeah, and you can see the that there are nuts on the cake, yeah, and you've already it's already been established she can't have nuts, and he's just saying just go have the cake, go have the cake, and then that's the, he drags it out so long of just watching her slowly getting sick at the party, and like that part, not even the part where the thing happens, the lead up to the thing, I was like getting very uncomfortable Jeez. and it was just oh he's really building and i could feel it in my chest yeah um again the, we've said the dinner scene but also yeah there's all those these very effective scares in the climax but the emotional impact of him being in the attic and saying no mommy no yeah 
So something brutal. horrible has yeah. happened to Ariaster. Something yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. and, to give and, rise to that concept, even and, and, is and like, let, what the fuck happened like, to you? Yeah. For people for whom this movie had no emotional resonance, which I know these people exist, um, I just don't. For me, and again, our relationship now is really great. But when I was a kid, I had a lot of fear in relationship to my mom, mm. and this film tapped into that in such an extreme way that that part gave me anxiety. The the dinner part, you know, any sort of conflict, like, I, I mean, I guess there are people for whom they don't have any memories of, of conflict in their family, but for me, watching this movie, it was just like, oh, God. You know, like, I was like yeah, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. the kid who had done something, I granted, I didn't kill my little sister by mistake, Yeah, no. but there was often some secret thing. That I was like, I'm gonna get found out. It's gonna be a whole thing, and I'm gonna be grounded for the rest of my life. Mm. And then I'm gonna like be angry about it, but also feel like I'm, you know, getting what I deserve. And it's this whole guilt thing. spiral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many parts of this movie, I was like, oh god, <laughs> oh god. Uh, I mean, that kid. The fact that he is so mad at her, but also feels so like so that guilty. mixed emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. I don't know how people watch that and are just like, I don't know. It's just stupid. Like I can't. Again, I, I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but. You know, if you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie. But for me, that get, it's so raw. Yeah, yeah, perhaps the scene that that I reacted to the most yeah. was when he after the accident and he goes to bed oh, and, and he it's lays all down close up and it's, it's just him so and then brutal. you hear you hear right. her, the mom scream yeah 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 and he's like he's awake and he hears it and it's like I I don't think I. I don't think I caught my breath. Like right. the the minute he parked and then he just went in the house and didn't say anything. I was just like, like I know that I know that fear, yeah. but not to that degree of like right. I did something bad and my parents are going to be extremely mad at me. But not not like you killed you killed somebody. <laughs> you killed yeah, yeah. Sister. I got a D in history, in and high then school. you That's know, how I felt. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, all of those anxieties are there, all that's there, but but again, this is why the beauty of the ending makes the ending so interesting for me because mm-hmm. it's one of the few parts of the movie that isn't filled with anxiety. Like so many parts, like so many things when Charlie's even alive where she sees the woman with the fire in the woods or the woman staring at her from across the street or the dead bird. Like there are so many and this is one of the things when people were like, Well, I was caught off guard by all the supernatural stuff. And you weren't fucking paying attention. Yeah, it's all there's throughout w- the whole movie. Immediately there's witch stuff. Like yeah. like I get that a lot of people saw the symbol and they just thought like it was a weird graffiti, but like I'm no witchcraft expert, and I was like, "Well, that's a witchy thing." Yeah, that has to do with magic. For a fact that <laughs> that's that a magic shit is thing. not correct. Yeah, at least doesn't belong there. Maybe I'm just uptight about magic stuff, but I just saw that I was well, like, no, "I mean, magic." There's gonna be magic. <laughs> there's magic, but guys, there's gonna be magic. <laughs> I do have to say, you know, there was actually a very good piece in Fangoria by uh, the singer of uh, Perfect Pussy, uh, mm-hmm. Meredith Graves, and she was sort of complaining about the representation of the occult, and she just sort of sort of felt like. This movie was a little bit ham-fisted. Not like she mind that the occult was negative, though I think that's part of it, but more just like it played with a bunch of stuff that like it didn't do it quite accurately. Mm. And the thing about that that I find so interesting is that the assumption is always that, like, because I've seen a few people talk about that, like, well, this doesn't really represent witchcraft or whatever. And my thing is like, Oh, because Hollywood has this long history of representing any religion accurately. Or any like, small group of people. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. But, it, you know, like, like, well, you know, it doesn't quite work that way. And I'm like, oh, 
well, you know how like in every movie, uh, every, every horror movie, Catholic priests are basically magic, and all they have to yeah, do is like believe hard enough, and they can fight. Every, that's not real. Like, yeah. like I hate to tell you, but actually, you don't every bandolier straps of holy water just in no. Case. Every representation of every set of beliefs in Hollywood is almost always wrong. There's sort of this idea in her piece, and I don't want to be too harsh because she makes some very good points as well actually uh but the idea of her representation argument as is, is as if the occult is uniquely misrepresented in some of these movies and i'm yeah. like it, everything is i mean she makes also a good point that the occult has been a fascination of hollywood since the beginning hence haxon and a variety yeah. of silent films which is a very good point but i just want to make the case that hollywood is never represent you know as someone who has studied a couple of different faiths and then especially christian theology mm. none of us are getting a good no one is getting the, the right thing here. You know, yeah. all of them are bad. And it's because it works better for story. Yeah. Actual belief systems are not that compelling for a narrative, actually. Yeah, no, they're, not. they're too complicated and messy and, and end up being cheesy or yeah. whatever. So, like, of course, he's not going to be like, well, actually, payment is just a, you know, a yeah, desert into, like, scientist or something. That's not <laughs> fun. He picked a crazy sounding name that you could set. Like, the number of devil names you can say yeah. that are going to be new and interesting. It's not that many. If they had all been chanting Beelzebub, we'd all yeah. be like, oh, yeah, oh, Beelzebub. Yeah. I know Devil. all about that. Yeah, I know yeah, about yeah. Beelzebub. You know, whatever. I'm dead Milkman fan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least they didn't say Beelzebubba, right? Yeah, That's right. That's what I'm saying. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that the uh, the cr- criticisms and uh, somewhere at uh, the movie we're going to talk about next, Midsommar, that Ari Aster is like misrepresenting. Misrepre- That's fine if you feel that way. But I think also it doesn't feel like it feels like a lot of people who are making that argument are just like wanting to feel like because it's not like he's uniquely doing that. Like, well, there's all these other great representations of other people, but Mm. this one guy is picking on us. Like, no, that's not, not the case. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like that's, you know, no one's getting actually the thing. So I want to definitely want to give us enough time to talk about Midsommar. I love that we're saying this now this way, but is there anything else we want to say about hereditary other than, it made us. Feel, it's one of the best representations of how a movie can both make you feel bad and, and make and scare you. Yeah. Because a lot of scary movies, no matter how scary they get, I don't feel bad. Yeah. And also, a lot of scary movies just lack um, the attention to the emotional tension. Right. So this movie does both masterfully. I think. Partly that is the stakes, right? Like, yeah. You care about what's going on emotionally with these people and you kind of don't want them to die. Yeah. I think the whole time you're sitting there like, what is going on? And as you're saying that the characters are like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I, I feel pretty confident that if you're paying attention, there's a big chunk towards the end where you kind of, you don't know what's going on literally, but, but you know, it's bad. Yeah. And you know, and like, that they're not going to get out of it. I felt that like, the whole last knowing that, yeah, like exactly. all the worshipers in the treehouse were in the funeral scene in the beginning, like right. things like this, like these little keys and cues, you know, like, Oh man, this is not going to end well. Like, or it is. And the best you can hope for is just bad. You know what I mean? Like that's fucked up. Yeah. It's amazing though. Like I said, I, I, I want people, you know, if you're listening to this, let us know what you think, uh, uh, not only just about this movie, but I really think the ending is more than just a goofy, like I think people made it seem goofy yeah. or wild out. I think it's fitting. I think it holds the whole movie together. But I do think it might be like a hauntingly positive ending in the sense of like... Somebody got the thing. 
Well, yeah, it's it's the one sort of peaceful, beautiful moment. I mean, it, it stays hilarious. on his face, and I just think there's something about it that's a little bit transcendent, even if it's like bad. It's very bad. I mean, I don't think he's like, and then everyone's gonna live happily ever after. This no, is like no, the it's end. Like, of, yeah, it's end literally of the end yeah. of the world. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, moving on to the other movie, Midsommar. Dustin, why did you choose this movie? We kind of forced this the is rest what of you our were chosen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but why did you want to talk about Midsommar? Uh, because again, this movie, I I left it with a lot of feelings. Uh, I was surprisingly happy at the oh, end. Sure. It, yeah. And I I remember talking to a friend of mine, and I was like. Did did you leave with a smile on your face? Because I did, and I don't know. Like, is that okay? And he was like, he's like, no, I I felt this. I felt like the same way. Um, and I because I just thought like something was wrong with me because I just sat there and was like, okay, yeah, like this is. I think for this film, I got what I didn't get from Hereditary, which was like somebody somebody that I cared for. Like, good things happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. I just. I, I was thrown for a loop so when this film. Did as you well. like Midsommar better than Hereditary? I th- I think I did, and also, I feel I felt like I could watch Midsommar again mm. and not feel like the same right. like dread of of, of what's coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know. I like now. I know what's coming in Midsommar. But I'm still in. Like I, mm. I will watch it. I, well, that's the thing with Midsommar. I feel like it's a lot more intricate of a tapestry as opposed to Hereditary, which is like this one narrative arc. Whereas Midsommar has like number one has multiple narratives that you're sure. following at one time. Yeah. But number two, the things in it are just so much more ingrained. Like, have you seen the recent thing about the sister? The being sister in the and trees the trees. And all that stuff? Yeah. Like, that shit. When I after I read that and I was watching it, I was like, there, there were there were small things like that in Hereditary though, like the model house, the lights turn on at yeah. weird times. Okay, I'll give you there's, that. There's there's weird reflections and stuff. There are small things, but I think there's a lot more attention to it. Felt like was paid in, in Midsummer. I, I mean, that's possible. Also, I was drawn more to it as it was a thing that I read about. Sure, going into this viewing, but uh, that said, fuck. You kidding me? Like, dude, every stitch counts in this fucking tapestry of terror. Yeah, like that shit is awesome to yes. me. I love. Did that either shit. one of you get to see the extended director's cut? No. Did you see it? I did not. I did. Uh, Dan Scully, friend of the show, saw it, and he said it changes the whole experience. Really? He was saying I that had heard extra, that it wasn't that big a deal. Oh, he said that there's a lot more backstory. I mean, granted, I haven't talked to Dan in a minute about it, but. When he saw it, he told me it changed the experience of seeing the movie. Man, I wish we I, uh, apologies I wish to, apologies to the audience because I think it would have been good for us to see it, but we didn't know we were going to cover it. So I, when you actually picked it, I immediately looked to see if there was Anyways, still anywhere yeah. playing it, and it's not. So no. we'll have to wait and maybe comment on it later when it's available on like home video or something. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really wanted to. I was really down. Yeah, three hours. Let's do three hours, and I just couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't get to a screening. Uh, yeah, when, when no, I, I was too busy. I didn't manage to see it. So, uh, in, you know, in case anyone hasn't seen it, this is... <laughs> Spoiler alert! This is basically a breakup God. movie. <laughs> yeah. So, you know... Uh, 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 you, do you know that me and Liam saw it on a press screener as well? Right. And as soon as it ended, <laughs> I looked at Liam, I was like, Yo, white people, right? <laughs> white people would be crazy. It was so funny. And then I saw it like maybe the <laughs> week that it came out with Melani because Melani couldn't come to the screen as well. 
and same joke at the end. White people, am I right, babe? It's still funny. Still killed. Yeah, I my mean, my thing was I saw Cheedy and I was like, oh well, you're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately I knew, and then I know jumping ahead, but like, what black man is sneaking through a white neighborhood in the middle of the night? Yeah, like, dude. No, you should know better. That ain't like, happening. Yeah, come yeah, yeah. on, Cheedy. with the camera. Come on, man. Yeah, you could do better than that. But no, I, it's so funny that you say that though because um, <laughs> I made back. I made the joke of like when it was over. I I, I literally. Josh said that, and then I said, "Oh, I get it. It's like a white guy made Get Out." And then <laughs> since <laughs> since since then, I read the interview yeah, with him Peele and Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's like, "There's a lot of similarities between your movie and my movie, huh?" And Ari Aster's like, "Yeah, I mean, we both love the Stepford, Stepford Wives." wives. <laughs> it was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But I mean, like, yeah, part of this movie is maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally. I don't know what he was thinking, but part of this movie is for me, like. Oh right, Europe is a fucking crazy ass crazy place where crazy people live. Yeah, like there's no. Uh, again, this is I'm not saying this is what the movie is about. So if people are annoyed, whatever. But this is the reality. There is this whole idea that there's this like civilized Europe that's been there for you know what I mean. Like, yeah, that we were just predates. doing church history stuff. You know, in this class I was taking, and like you know, most of European history was you know living in caves, various forms of cannibalism, all kinds of nature <laughs> worship. The idea that like we're, when people get old, we'll throw them off a cliff. That's like tame compared to what was going on. In, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't until a certain point where everyone pretended they were civilized. And even then, I think a lot of the colonial project is our own, ex- is the anxiety of Europe. Like them yeah. saying like, oh, they're like uncivilized monsters out there, you know, and everything they're describing about all these non-white people are just what Europe was a hundred years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're just describing yourselves, you know, this is who you are actually, but you've, you know, had a couple hundred years of like, you know, uh, pretending to be holy and all of a sudden you're the font of civilization. You're certainly not the fucking Romans, all right? Mm. The Romans, the term barbarian was developed by Romans to describe you. You are the barbarian. You are literally the barbarians. So literally, fuck you. You're ridiculous. <laughs> Go put a wolf pelt on, you fucking animal. <laughs> so I say all that to say, that's a little bit of what's going on in this movie. But on the other hand, I think Ari Aster, though, even though that's some of what I'm thinking, mm. it can't be entirely what he's thinking because he doesn't really judge them. He, no, he, he doesn't. He it's wants told, you to be it's horrified not, by them a little bit, but he but doesn't judge them. it's also not sympathetic either. Right. It's not like, huh, well, you know, different times. It's not like that. It's, no, but it's also like they're not bloodthirsty monsters. Yeah. They have a view of how the world works. And they're working it out, which, by the way, makes them even more white. My whiteness thing is yeah. becoming because they think they're doing the right thing. They have a whole logic. Like, yeah, they kind of yeah. pause and explain it, yeah. even when someone's like screaming because you just yeah. watch this old for, man's face like for them. I mean, think about it. They, they, they yeah. literally are like four of them and four of us and then one extra. It's totally fair. Yeah, and you yeah, said they're going. Like, no one thinks this, this is, is fair. fair at all. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, it's like a perfect juxtaposition with the with the starkness of the visual of the movie that it's so bright like it's yeah. so blown out and it's yeah. so colorful and it's exactly that like this over explanation of horrific things let's let's go back it's, in case for some reason someone is listening who hasn't seen it it doesn't start off bright we're in the darkness of this relationship and yes. uh, uh, our main character is reaching out to her boyfriend because she's gotten this disturbing email from her sister and what we're seeing is that their relationship is on the rocks that he's been thinking about breaking up with her for some time, but he's basically 
by my estimation, a coward. Mm. And he can't take that step to end the relationship. And then it turns out that this email that he's sort of not paying, wants her to not be worried about, she should be. Her sister has killed herself and, and her taken parents. her parents yes. with her. And so what Ari Aster is doing here is, A, he's starting off us off in this cold, bleak winter story, both in the elements of it and, and the in the literalism. Yeah. And then we're in the summer where the summer is supposed to be new life, and that's like not what happens for every character except for her. She actually has a summer. But everyone else, <laughs> this is like the summer of death, actually. But I think also what's going on there is like this question of, I think there's a question of like selfishness a little bit. Mm. You know, what is more selfish than her sister taking her parents with her? I have to leave the world. Mom and dad are coming with. Yeah. It's this impenetrable moment. And part of the horror is the reality that her sister can never understand it, can never ask. It's She can never ask for clarification. She can never ask why. She can never she get into this. The, she just has yeah. the wound, yeah. right? And then they go to this culture that they can't understand, that they can't really connect with. And that uh, takes a lot of hallucinogens. And then, like everyone there is so focused on themselves, they can't see what's going on. She seems to be one of the few people who's actually paying attention and actually is concerned for the fate of the other people in the movie. And then she has one moment to be selfish when she doesn't save her ex boyfriend and she lets him die. Yeah. And then that one moment of selfishness where she finally chooses herself, she's happy. So she gets to be in a happy movie while everyone else is in a horror movie. <laughs> And that's basically what Midsommar is. Sorry, y'all. So she... she that is one of the best breakdowns of this movie I've actually ever heard. She, <laughs> she basically invites herself on this trip. It turns out the trip is a fishing mission to find sacrifices for the small village. Yeah. All this stuff happens, which, by the way, Ari Aster, I did read an Ask Me Anything, by the way, with Ari Aster, where he mostly ignored everyone's questions, but a few things he replied to. And one of the things was that the, sh- that the movie only takes place over a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And that the end of the movie is the beginning of the festival. So oh. he's like, some of the crazy stuff you see happen is just what happens every day. Like, that's just their normal life. So, like, the Horga. Yeah. So, like, you know, when they jump off the cliff, that's a prelude to the festival. But that's not the festival. That's just no, how the, the Horga. festival starts. Remember, they keep talking about the festival's about to start and yeah, hasn't even yeah, started yeah, yeah. yet. Wow. It starts with the burning of the, the house. Yeah. Fuck. That's crazy, right? It like really I did when he said that in that thing, I was like, "Oh fuck!" He just straight fucked me up. Yeah, and yeah. That, my that brain means, just like kind of melted right. Yeah, now. It's just like oh. shit is a lot. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so the, the as the movie goes on, um, it becomes sort of like not a slasher movie, but like a people are going missing, but everyone yeah. is so involved in their own shit, they're not really paying attention to what's happening. So all the dread that should be there is only there a little bit. And it's really only there for our main character. But even then, she doesn't get to feel that much dread because she's still dealing with her mourning, loss, her yeah. loss, her and her, the loss of her family. And then the fact that her relationship has become a really poor substitute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, she can't let it go. She's too hurt for that. But it isn't making her feel better. That dude gives her no comfort whatsoever. Yeah, no, he doesn't even give her any support throughout the movie. No. But I do want to say, and I think it's worth mentioning, some people have sort of exaggerated that to like that these people all had it coming, which doesn't Uh, make any sense. Especially since our first two victims are just nice British people who've done nothing wrong. Exactly. So you can't say like, oh, they all get it. Yeah, one dude is definitely an asshole. And her boyfriend, but I think this is the thing about the movie. 
I don't think the movie actually wants us to think that the boyfriend is a total asshole. He's definitely no, an there's asshole. There's like some exonerative like yeah, aspects to him. Like I think that's what makes the movie so complicated is that the only horror that she experiences is the horror of realizing she's glad he's gone. Mm. Like that smile at the end feels so good, but that's also a horrific thing, which by the way is why I think that hereditary is a happy. I think, you know, he's exploring the horror of certain emotions, you know, and the horror of the joy that first short film, that juxtaposition, that first short film is to me in some small bit about how we don't believe a, a kid could do this to their parents. That because of the power dynamic, that movie is not as it's upsetting, but it, it not as upsetting as the real world thing because we're all sitting there going, yeah, but he couldn't do it. A kid couldn't do that to their parents. You know what I mean? Like there's some emotional thing he's getting at there, right? With Hereditary, it's like everything is so horrible leading up to that ending. What does that ending do for us emotionally? In this movie, her smiling face at the end is like, everyone else is in a horror movie. She's not in a horror movie. She's having a great summer. She goes on a trip. She gets to let go of her shitty ex-boyfriend and she's in a community that loves and accepts her and makes her the queen of the festival. The May Queen. This is the only nice thing that happens to her the whole movie is when <laughs> she's made the May Queen. And it's so fucked up. Anyways, I'm talking too much. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's, it's good. This is a great breakdown, Liam. That Come was on. what I was thinking of the time in, watching it. Was thinking, wow, almost nothing bad happens to her in this. In, in, once she gets to the village. Mm-hmm. It's all weird. She's getting drugged. All these, you know, yeah, it's, it's all awkward. Yeah. But she, she, the only time we see her at all feel like anyone is giving her any amount of respect is when she becomes the May Queen. And then the whole thing is about, and she gets to choose who lives and who dies. Yeah. No, that's and funny. the other thing I was thinking about, again, I'm talking too much. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking in a second, <laughs> is empathy. No one in the movie has empathy except for our quote unquote villains, the Horgas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, again, I won't say that too hard about the British people. The British people are basically they're just there to die. Yeah, honestly. they're they there for to, fodder. They don't get yeah. to have real characters, which is a maybe not great, but whatever. Um, yeah. But of our main characters, they all have trouble being empathetic. They all have trouble feeling anything. But the Horgas, whenever anyone suffers, they lose their shit. Like they, you know, when the one guy starts to scream, they all start to scream. That's what uh-huh. that. And I've seen people interpret that ending as like they're orgasming or some shit apparently no, people don't know what sadness looks like right a couple of those actors maybe aren't nailing their performance but they're <laughs> supposed to be unhappy they're supposed they to be joining in the screams yeah, and yeah. they are screaming with him and but the irony about that is that their empathy doesn't justify all the murder <laughs> like <laughs> they definitely are feeling empathetic but does that make it a, you know or like when the dude jumps you first see it when he jumps off and he isn't dead mm. The older gentleman, he jumps off. He's hurt himself badly. His he's legs are fucked up. Yeah, they're all feeling his pain, and they're horrified by his pain. There's something about that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it justifies their murder cult society, but they certainly have more empathy than the other characters in the movie. Yeah, we're just kind of like just self-directed oh, by their man, own. That was really motives, intense, yeah. huh? <laughs> that like, hey, that was intense. Huh? Yeah, like I mean, of course, like they share in it, um, and I think that. When um, when our main character when she has her breakdown and the women like crowd around her and yeah. they share in her crying and just that breakdown itself, you know, there's a moment I think I remember in the audience 
people kind of laughed and it lasted for like maybe like two seconds but i think because it just continued it was like there was silence and but you could for me i felt like oh this is this is like a catharsis for her like like not only is she in pain but they're sharing it with her and it was it was almost like a nonverbal way of saying to her you're not like, alone you're not alone you're one of us uh we we are you mm. <laughs> like let's get this out because like they you they just just keep just let it out um and my favorite just image is when she's decked out in the entire flower yeah, outfit the whole flower mm-hmm. outfit and she's like running across the field crying and the in the background the thing is on fire yeah yeah and i just remember going wow they're like this is so beautiful but there are like people dying in there (laughs) and then and then i just couldn't get over like but it's so pretty like (laughs) like it's it's worth it like it's worth it i I don't my my reaction to everything pretty much that happened to the people were was very much like um like you knew it was coming uh, the boyfriend, I, I think when he s- tries to take the research mm. away oh, from... Oh, he's definitely a, he's definitely an asshole. When that happened, I was like, okay, you have to go. <laughs> 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 and it was, it was, I was just like, oh, like, I just can't, I can't stand, I couldn't stand him. He was so good. I was like, I just yeah, can't he's stand. such a weird, slimy Seth Rogen. Oh, totally. Ugh. Yeah. But, but, but I don't think... For me personally, I don't think the movie completely wants you to feel like, okay, it's good that he's dead. Yeah. Because it's the emotion that's being explored there is the ugly emotions we have when we're in a, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that at some level, I could watch something horrible happen to some of my exes, maybe not burning in a building, but something yeah. bad. And some awful, gross part of me would be like, yeah, you had that coming. You know what I mean? Well, I mean exactly. Like, that's the thing. At that last scene, the table scene, when they show him and he's like newly dosed and he's scared. Like I feel like that's a sympathetic eye towards him. That doesn't. But her. But she's disgusted by it. everyone there. Loves her, and she's in this thing, and she's exalted. And then here's this fucking Weasley piece of shit. Yeah. Who, by the way, she can see he's distracted by the girl leaving. So it's like. On one hand, I feel bad for him, mm-hmm. but I also emotionally feel like what I'm getting from her is disgust. Like this fucking yeah, dude, no, I get that, but but the thing is, I feel like the camera eye on him, yeah, in that final scene, his horror is him waking up in the middle of his horror movie, right, and him suddenly realizing like, oh, my friends is dead, yeah, and now I'm just running around, I can't control my legs, like all like the things that yeah. happen to him, yeah. And it's like, if if the movie were just this damning indictment of him, I don't think that that ending would have landed the way it did. Right. You know what I mean? Because like, there has to be some type of exonerative like notion behind that character for us to feel the way Ari Aster, I imagine, intended come the burning of the thing. I mean, he the one thing I saw him talk about this, I didn't watch. I wish I'd watched the whole thing, but he very much wanted the feeling that his characters are in two different movies. Mm, and it worked. The the characters that aren't her, what is her name again? I want to... The actress? No. Well, yes, or the character name, well, either way. Uh, Florence Pugh. That, it's yes. or the, so the Florence Pugh's character is in a movie about mourning and a breakup, and her ending is basically a happy ending. 
Yeah. And then all the other characters, they're in a standard full, full yeah. car movie mm-hmm. where they're in an uh, environment they don't really understand, mm-hmm. that they don't understand the danger involved, and, and they all slowly there. die yeah. off. And he's like, the trick was making both of those movies work such that the ending is both of the, you know, so the whole movie is designed so that at the end, they're getting the bad ending that they would get a la Wicker Man, mm-hmm. and she's having a good ending that, like, you know, feels good. And he's like, he's like, but understand, it's a happy ending for her. So, you know, what he made clear in the thing is, I'm not saying it's a happy ending for you, the audience member. Yeah. You might be upset. And if you are, that's probably all right. That's probably right. <laughs> that's probably what was. But it's a happy happen. ending for her. And he's like, and that's what for him gets him at the feeling he was feeling. So he made this movie as he's also or had just finished going through a horrible breakup. So I think what he wanted was the catharsis that he is needing or desiring or having or whatever it is. Right. Mm. But in a neg to not glorify that, like if you watch her being joyous and you're like, well, that's kind of upsetting that she's happy. That's fine. Yeah. But she's happy. Like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, she's, it doesn't she's definitely change like, that she is a happy uh, ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. finally, you know? <laughs> she's, so brutal. She can move on. She, the, the phoenix out of the ashes for her. I honestly think that this is an example of masterful filmmaking. I think this movie is also wonderful. I think that both movies are brilliant, and I think that this one... Uh, yeah, I I think it. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I think it's. Uh, really I mean, okay, great. it's hard for me really to say a movie great. is perfect. Sure, 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 sure. I think no, I mean, I think some people were. All I'm saying is, I don't want to be like everything about it works. Like maybe there's parts that you know. Yeah, I get. like the foot sticking out of the ground. I get it. Like you're gonna go through these great lengths, and then you're just gonna leave a foot sticking out the ground. Like that's your thing. Like that's fucking weird. But I okay, wondered, I wondered if the foot sticking out of the ground. So not only is it sticking out of the ground, there's a magic symbol on the bottom of the foot. Yeah, a rune of some kind wondering if that was some like uh, cultural reference I didn't get, which doesn't make it a good choice. Because no. if it doesn't ring true, it's still a bad choice. But I do wonder if that's what was going on. Is that like we were supposed to get some residents there that we didn't yeah. get? I don't know. I don't know. But that said, I still think it. I I love this movie. I hate to say how much I love this movie, but I really. Why do you hate to say it? I don't know. It feels like not thought through. I think that the attention that Ari Aster paid to this movie is a beautiful uh, maturation from what started in Hereditary. I mean, how amazing is the all the shot, the background work? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, There's yeah, so yeah. much stuff going on in this film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> even like, this, like the little thing of, like the one joke that isn't harmful to anybody, but the fact that they watch Austin Powers. Right, right. <laughs> it's like I remember that. Like I said, they're like, "What? Okay, yeah, okay. This is this that, is funny." That to me is such a funny, like weird European thing. Like we've only have the DVDs we could find in this weird little village. <laughs> One's Austin. Pa- We're gonna watch Austin. Powers. The kids are watching Austin Powers. If you want to go watch it with them, I was like, "Sure." So there's just like one character who went with them, and he was just watching it. And everybody else is dying, and he just comes out like, "Oh man, like what's going on?" <laughs> well, I like the idea that you would go watch Austin Powers with the yeah. kids and they're having fun and they're thinking like man we're gonna skin this guy alive soon <laughs> exactly what's the game they're playing skin the fool whoa <laughs> so good <laughs> yeah I mean I just think um, I you know I, I get it's an alienating movie that uh-huh. people probably went to this thing and weren't expecting so much visually going on when they felt like there wasn't a lot narratively going on mm. you know but if anyone says like well it's just like 
not great technical filmmaking. I mean, the amount of choreography, the amount of set. Yeah. Te- you know what I mean? Dude, like, just yeah. the whole Maypole dance is fucking insane. It's so beautifully shot. It is. It's, it's wonderful. so perfectly executed. And just when she starts speaking, like, the tongue and all that stuff, that part is so fucking creepy and genius. Goddamn brilliant. I love yeah, that I shit. I think it's really good. Yeah, I can't. I bought a T-shirt. <laughs> well, when they did have, remember they had some of those. Did you see when they had the, some of those toys out? Oh no, there I didn't a, see the toys. Oh, after it came out, A twenty four kept releasing these limited tours, toys. There was a bear in a cage. Whoa. They made a funny commercial like every kid loves the bear in the cage. Like a so like whole thing. A twenty four can do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Much, yeah. I fucking love that company, man. I think that <laughs> might be true. I, I think they're batting a thousand, honestly. Dude, they really, really are, are doing way better than any other company out there. <sighs> yeah, that might be true. I, come on, man. Like, I don't know. I love that. And yeah. if A24 stamp is on it, I'm watching it. Period. Pretty much. That's how it yeah, is. Yeah, that's just what They're the is. only film company I think that I get an email for when a trailer drops. And yeah, like, man. Oh, okay. I'm all yeah, about I'm it. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's yeah, see, see this. this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. And every single time it comes way out of left field for me. I'm like, I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm in and all of a sudden I'm all the way in. And that's yeah. just what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, all about it, man. I love that company. All right. What else do we want to say? How do we want to wrap up Midsommar? I will say that uh, the visual effect of the hallucinogen. Yes. Uh, have you ever done hallucinogens? Not I, to be an indictment. I'm just asking. Yes, I have. Good In fact, to, I did it uh, this past weekend. Good work. <laughs> oh, man. Was that like round one or have you done it? It was before? round one. And? And I can, t- I can say that the effect with the flowers is so good. accurate. Word. Because I... <laughs> I went to use a bathroom at a friend's house and they had a vase with flowers and that effect of it feeling like they're breathing and they're just opening and closing. I saw that. And my first thought was, I was like, this is the May queen. Like it's, it's her suit. Like I remember this, like it's exactly that effect. And I, when I saw the movie, I was, I was, of course I just sat there like, is this what it's actually like? And I had friends who told me like, it's pretty, uh true to life in terms of like what you would see in in that situation uh-huh. and i can now say like yes <laughs> like that Dude. at least my experience that's what that was that's amazing yeah wow yeah that's i've never done cool. i've never done mushrooms or anything like that i have always danced around the skirts of trying to do it and i just always chicken out right at the last minute <laughs> and uh yeah i definitely want to get down but that's another story for uh, another time. just insert Strange joke here. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. have one. I'm just yeah, that's, yeah. You know. bringing it down. I yeah. get it. I no, get I get it. it. Yeah, that's that's, cool. that's, that's, that was pretty good. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. I mean, I think again, I I think this is a movie where when people tell me they're not stoked on it, I'm not angry. I'm not like, what the mm-hmm. fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah, I get no. that it's alienating, and I get that for some people. You know, a number of people were kind of offended because they felt like the sex scene with the boyfriend is a form of rape that he's yeah. drugged, he can't really control whatever. But as you know, I don't think that changes anything. Like that's part of the horror of the film. That's fine. I think they were only bringing it up because a bunch of people. There started to be this narrative online of like that boyfriend deserves everything he gets, and this dude was like, "I mean, you're technically saying he should get like that's a form of rape. He's having non-consensual sex because he's too drugged up to know any better, you know, whatever. So like all that I get, but I think it's only it's a complaint that only makes sense." If you are responding to people's, I don't think the movie 
in that scene is trying to say like this is cool guys like this is yeah. totally cool there's, and not horrifying yeah i think the film is like this is fucked yeah you should be really upset right now there's really i think that scene was maybe the point where even though i hated him i saw that scene and was just like I like it's clear you don't want to be doing this. Yeah. And then, but but there, you have no choice. And the consequent horror of him running around naked. Yeah. And finding dead people everywhere. That's fucked up, man. Dude, that sucks. Holy shit. Yeah. Not a feel good part of the movie. No, not, not at all. Feel good I part. do think it's very good though. I do. Yeah. <sighs> it's so It's 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 again, I I I almost want to say I won't feel like I really get the movie though till I see the uh, knowing that that extended cut exists. Yeah, it makes me want to watch it so bad, and I not really, even because really I like think it. yes. it's going to change everything, but I want it to be there as part of my information as I decide what I think about the movie. I'm with you. Yeah, I definitely Same. have to see it. I have to see it. Oh man. <sighs> hey, I'm glad you had us talk about this. So this is a movie that came out recently enough that we didn't. We so talked we didn't, about it on our business. We talked about it on focus here. Focus on it, but we didn't like get into it too deep yeah, yeah i think yeah. my response at the time was really just saying like go see it because it's good yeah and there's a lot like of hype around it yeah talk about it you know yeah no i fucking loved it i i mean like on consequent viewings like this last viewing i still it still horrifies me it still takes me there yeah i i love it i think it's really I, good i think it's very effective at doing this weird thing he's trying to do which is like tell two different stories at the at same time, time that are related they're not yeah. unrelated and that he well the way he put it was two different stories, but they're not really two different stories. They're two different emotional resonances. Yes. Oh, this is a horror movie, and it's a movie about dealing with mourning a breakup. Yeah, and it's almost like an antiphonal choir piece. It's like almost yeah. like a choir piece with two different melodies that yeah. are playing against yeah. each other that create yeah. something different. Yeah. And that's that's a vision that's a difficult thing to court in filmmaking, and I yeah. feel like that's why I res- I resonate so well with these movies. Because it really is giving you something different. I am really curious to see what he does next. Yeah, um, yeah. I wonder who, what he's going to do, what he's going to anoint in the in his next film. Because he's given us King Payment and he's given us a May Queen. Right. And it usually right. and it ends with pretty much with them having like some type of right. like, reaction to the world that they're in. So like at the end of of Hereditary, Charlie, they put the crown on Charlie's head and he's like, "What is going yeah. on?" And then with with, Same uh, in her, in uh, in Midsommar, they they crown her the May Queen, but she has like no that, concept of what that means. She's just like, oh, okay, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny because the anticipation is the same, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if this is good or if I'm enjoying myself, Bec- or what. It's so because at no because I remember when they show when they show them around and then they have that wall of May Queens. At no point does anybody say, "Well, what happens to them? Like, what happens? Right. What does like, the make? Uh, where are, where yeah, are what are they people? supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So they just accept it as just like, oh, that's that's a great cultural. Act. Let me take a picture of that. Wow. Like, but what happens to those people who get right. crowned? Right, right. Jesus Christ! I didn't even think about that. I also love all the foreshadowing. Like every bad thing that happens is foreshadowed. In yeah, this movie. it really is. Every single thing. <laughs> I oh, love that. Man, it's great. It's so good. Yes, it is. But it's like not directly done so. It's done in a weirdly obtuse way. But you're like, wait. And only after seeing it the first time are you yeah. like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. And that's the funny thing about my anticipation for whatever happens next. It, it's dreaded, but it's also 
cackling anticipation, like, oh my god, I wonder if this is gonna be awesome. But also, like, oh man, this is gonna fuck me up. I'm not gonna. I'm at least losing one more night of sleep over whatever happens next. Yeah, and, and, and I, earlier we were you mentioned how uh, viewers are kind of like decoding things, and mm-hmm. I remember at the beginning of Midsommar, I, I was watching it and that the scene with the parents. Yeah, and I remember staring at the screen like, are they dead? Ugh. And then I saw like the the. the stomach rise from breathing I'm like oh, okay they're alive that's good and then five minutes later like no they're no they're dead now that's like, from the car and yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. Ugh. and i think i think what it is is that at least to me it feels like ari aster's trying to trying to break that like right. don't come into my film thinking that you're gonna know what to look well, out for yeah like when you see the picture of the sister's face in the trees mm-hmm. you know which has to be real that has to be a on purpose yeah. yeah yeah um that doesn't help you understand it, no, it helps it, you resonate with the movie yeah but it doesn't help you understand the movie if your version of understanding is explaining it away yeah like which, I, I hope that's clear in everything I'm saying about the movie. Like I'm explaining the resonances I'm feeling with it. I but don't it doesn't think, explain away anything about yeah, the I movie. I think people keep looking for like real world like I kept hearing people say, Well well, uh uh Florence Pugh? Yeah. She's a stand in for him. So then it's even more complicated that she has this thing on her boyfriend because is that how he felt about his girlfriend? And I'm like you're being so fucking literal right now. Yeah, just like, like take the movie in. There is an autobiographical a- aspect of this in that he's working through his emotions, but she's clearly not him in a literal sense. Mm. Their characters are nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's not like the he. he it's almost like people are expecting like a fucking Woody Allen film where yeah. like Woody Allen is literally in the movie. Woody Allen as, as Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. Yeah, that's not what's happening here, and it doesn't help you appreciate the movie. I think that inclination i get it i had the same thing maybe not as extreme as that being like she's literally him Mm -hmm. but i do think like i see her as a stand-in for him and that he's exploring his emotions yeah but not to a literal sense where i'm like what does this character represent in ari aster's life yeah right fuck you like come on like she'd be sitting in a movie live on its own own. own. yeah like just let it be its thing that you're experiencing even though as you know his real life is is where he's drawing the emotional resonances from that's the thing to let a movie be a movie is it's a lot of control to give up for a viewer so i can understand why people would but there's still lots of places to be critical be critical about the the techniques of filmmaking sure be critical i still think about the politics like you know what mm-hmm. i mean like uh there's a critical question to ask between hereditary and this movie about how our Aster feels about physical deviations mm. you know uh the young woman in hereditary had to wear a prosthetic so that yeah. she looked upsetting mm-hmm. in this movie there's a the uh, inbred yeah, child yeah, yeah, who yeah. is uh, you know upsetting in some sense upsetting and so maybe our Aster has a thing like a body horror thing that he's yeah that he's working through, through. And, yeah. and maybe if you're you're the parent of a child who's physically different than other children you might be offended by that yeah that is a political analysis that I think is a fair one to make instead of people just being like what's this have to do with his girlfriend yeah, like nothing happens yeah. come on come get on. out of my face like it's not that <laughs> li- uh, and again a, a political critique is just the movie is related to this real life thing and I'm okay with how it did it or I'm not okay with how it did it yeah but that's not about figuring out some weird personal like breadcrumb trail yeah. for whatever that you're supposed it's to get like home to. It's like a puzzle you're figuring yeah. out. No, I, I don't like that. I don't subscribe to that yeah. dissection. Anyway. 
Anyway, sorry to rant about that. <laughs> no, I like again, it. It's a good I'm fine. Good like, someone said like would I listen again. Someone was like, I, I don't know how I feel about that, and I was like, that's a fair point actually. And that's okay. I don't though. know that these two movies have given me enough information to be like. I think Ari Aster's fucked up when it comes to people with. I just think it's a theme in two movies. That's mm. not enough for me to worry about it. But if you are concerned about that, I could see that being an issue. You know, I just don't think there's enough there yeah. for me to like make a decision one way or the other. I agree. I think Charlie's thing is really just she's possessed by a devil, the spirit yeah, 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 of a yeah. male god. That's you know, fucked up. that's making up make her look a little funny. That's all. <laughs> that's all that is. <laughs> Make you look a little funny. <laughs> she looks a little funny in the movie. <laughs> Fucking Liam O'Donnell, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. anyway. Hey, Dustin, thanks for coming on. Dustin, thank you for being a guest on our show. Thank you for having me. Dude, you, you have to come and be on our show more often. Yeah, we like to. it. We like it when you do this. Thank this you. awesome. Two times in, two times now. It's great. Yeah. It was so time. good. Um, do, you, do you want people to find you on the internet? Sure. Yes. Where should could. they find you? Uh on Twitter or Instagram, uh, my handle is Mr. DQJ. That's it. Is it is? Did you go with that handle from when you were teaching? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I've I've had that long before I was teaching. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just when I when That's I saw the OG it, handle when I saw it, it made me think of that. Like, oh, you know, that that'd be a hard one for like the parents, Mr. DQJ. Like, That's true. Let's let's, let's <laughs> talk. Just anyone going by Mister makes me think about school. <laughs> Uh, hey, thanks you for listening, uh, fair listener. Please check us out on various social medias. At uh, Cinepunks. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, as we said earlier, Cineween is starting soon. Basically, uh, we spend all of October celebrating Halloween, which for you might be too much or too little. Don't, for don't judge us. us. It's what we do. It's what we can do. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> um, and we're going to, uh, one of the things we'll be doing is featuring different writing from people uh every day uh related to halloween as well as some special episodes hopefully some patreon content hopefully some giveaways so keep an eye out we're gonna be doing a bunch of stuff but most importantly tell your friends rate review subscribe yeah 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 and check out our patreon and uh see if there's something there that you might uh want to support us and you know help us exist in the world yay thank you we love you everybody all right episode 102 finished smoke bomb this october the Cinepunks Podcast Group invites you to our annual celebration of all things spooky. Cineween. From October 1st to 31st, Cinepunks.com is your home for Halloween scares, new writing, special podcast episodes, all to make you feel seasonally creepy. Oh.